Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, everyone, what is going on? We are back here again with another episode of the Iron Man Podcast, episode 151, with none other than the great Mr. Joe M. Sontag, actually. Mm. It's been a been a hot minute since we talked, actually. It's crazy. It's a, the, the episode I first had you all on, you and your uh, friend Kayla, it's actually one of my most high-viewed yes. uh, solo shows we had. Problem really? here is I lost my nice. original YouTube channel, actually. That's awesome. Yeah, so, you know, I had to go back around and basically kind of redo all the one-on-ones I did with people originally, as well as, you know, pile up some new ones here as well. And, you, you know, like, after the last time we talked, man, I, I told people, I'm going to start learning more about all this stuff. Because I thought to myself, you know what, I, I owe that to people that are going to be listening to me talking about this to learn more, obviously. And some guy had an unpopular opinion, which I thought was just really bad. It, mm. it basically was all the, all the time you spend kind of learning about this stuff is just more procrastination to doing something. It's like, no, learning is fundamental to how you get better at like everything. That's just not even pretty much a, a mindset I would even want to adopt or have. Because the comic book industry, as I've learned all these many things over the years, it feels like every day something else gets like peeled back. If, if there was a massive onion, it feels like every day there's another layer getting pulled off of it and more and more and more gets revealed, you know, right. and you have people out there. Um, the great Tim Sheridan, the greatest comic book writer of all time, obviously <laughs> <laughs> going out there and talking about a bunch of nonsense. And yeah. this is something that I'm going to bring up probably in another video. I'm going to do about that video. He did where he basically just gave the whole shindig away, you know, because in one of his uh, parts that he was talking, he literally said, if you buy this book, we can prove to the big publishers that there is a market for authentic stories based around LGBTQ. So right there, that gives away two things. First thing being there wasn't a market for this. Because also, and the, and the second thing is because it ties back way in. Why would you need to prove to them that there's an audience for this if you – if they – I don't know. It's just you, you see how much – bullshit happens right there so the, that means the big two know that there's not an audience for that they know there's no sales for it and then you'll have people like him that are trying to go out there and i don't know beg their fans to support their work knowing it's not what people even want in their stories ah, it's crazy man crazy what they, we live in they so desperately want there to be an audience so they have to drum up some kind of controversy Mm-hmm. you know play the victim card so if he if he goes out and says you know we need this book viewed you know all my lgbtqa plus whatever need to come mm-hmm. out and support this book you're basically begging people because you know that audience isn't in comic books and they so mm-hmm. desperately want to say see you know see these books are popular you know like these people you know the groups are here there's a big group of people for us to sell this kind of content to when there right. isn't and that dude, that's a weird thing. Is that why do because he basically just gave the whole thing away? They still have to prove that there's readers for this, but didn't this start this all this stuff started popping off a while ago? Actually, did it not? You know, it's been a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it's been, it, it's been brewing yeah. for a while, and I'd say it really ramped up over the last five years, you know, mm-hmm. five, six years, something like that. It's been something that's been brewing for a while. And to have someone just basically make a video kind of just confirming everything. Because this is the thing. If you work for one of the big two, why do you have to own anybody? That's already crazy in of itself that you want to own this small group of people that are just doing their own thing. You know? 
that stuff is just like it's juvenile to me. You know, like the we need to do this so we can own you know comic skate and <laughs> own, like, own you, the like races, own the people out there. And it's like <laughs> okay, you know what what are you doing that's owning us or owning anybody that doesn't like that kind of content? We're not buying it. We're not paying attention to it. You yeah. know, it doesn't. It really doesn't bother us, you know except for us to say, like, see, is? here's some more, more BS that you guys are doing, mm-hmm. but you're not owning anything. Go ahead and make whatever you want, and then it mm-hmm. won't sell, and you're going to lose money. So you owned yourself. Congratulations. And you know what's also the funny thing about what you brought up that no one's going to pick up on is that the people that they're marketing to aren't buying this shit and yeah. aren't interested, and they'll go out there and they'll retweet and they'll like everything. They'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to my local comic book shop and buy this on Wednesday. It comes Wednesday. They don't post pictures about it. They don't say anything about it. It's literally, they're just lying. And I hate when people do that. It's like, why are you telling this person? Because I don't care for Tim Sheridan, but don't lie to him and say you're going to go support his work. Then come Wednesday, you are nowhere to be found. Like, that is that is just stupidly fucked up. Like, if you don't want to support him, you'd be like, hey, man, I'm not interested. It's And that's better about being honest than being like, hey, I'm going to go support, but then... Let's be honest, let's really be honest with you. Ain't no one buying that shit. That shit is about to be like the Black Panther Shiri toys at your Walmart. You probably see all stacks and Shang-Chi and Eternal. No one can sell that shit. I hate people do that. It's like, oh, I- I'm supporting you with a like and a retweet. That literally means nothing. That honestly means nothing at the end of the day. When it Tim comes Sheridan, to trying to get sales. I've never heard of the guy up until the other day when that video dropped and people started talking about it. So one, mm-hmm. um, it's just him trying to drum up some controversy to get stuff mm-hmm. out there. One, so that he can kind of promote himself and get all the pats on the back from his, mm-hmm. you know, his mainstream allies, SJW, it's- you know, allies to be like, oh, you know, you go, girl, kind of thing. <laughs> and that's really all it is, you know. I mean, he's drumming up nothing. Even if he does get a bump in sales for is, it's an issue one, maybe. If it is an issue one, you might get a little bit of a bump in sales because people like to collect issue one. But nobody's mm-hmm. going there because they want to read a comic about. Uh, a golden age uh, gay green lantern or whatever you're like one mm-hmm. nobody really cares you know and that's a funny thing like when people talk about owning us <clears throat> we don't care that they are that there are gay characters in the comic book uh, storylines mm-hmm. what we care about is turning straight ga- characters gay or forcing yeah. us to have to accept it because it's something that you are trying to push you know mm-hmm. if you just want to put something if a gay character pops up in a comic book because it's been gay characters from the yeah. time I've been collecting comics, yeah. you know, eighties, nineties, there's been gay characters in comics, I mean, and nobody ever for, batted an eye or pushed back against it. It was, it was what yeah. it was. E- even for what Tim, even the character that Tim Sheridan's writing for, Alan Scott had a gay son, Obsidian, and then there was a problem. It was that dynamic between the words, like I don't know how to, how I managed mm. to take care of a gay son or whatever. I was, yeah, uh, Apollo and Midnighter, part of the Authority or some shit. They were gay. Actually, let me go back to the 90s. You had uh, Rainmaker and Gen 13 was one of the first, you know, as a kid, you know, I, I didn't I started reading comics when I was like 10, you know, so mm-hmm. that was one of the first characters that I encountered in in the stories that was a gay character, you know, mm-hmm. and didn't think anything of it. You know, I just it was whatever, you know, we we're just reading the stories that just existed. Uh, it, and that's what I think most of us feel. It isn't until you kind of push stuff on us and say hey we need to start accepting this or we need to represent these people so we're going to turn this character that's been predominantly straight for 30 40 years and we're going to make them all of a sudden gay you know even though nothing in his history has ever pointed that way but just all of a sudden one day he's going to wake up and be like oh i like dudes now 
You know, mm-hmm. that's what we push back because one, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense in a story aspect. Create brand new gay characters and see if they sell. That's all you got to do. Create a brand new character. That's the that's caveat or, there too, or man. Trans and I know or lesbian and see if yeah. they sell. That that's the caveat there too, man. That people don't ever bring up. People gave me heat for it, but I don't care. I'll say the quiet part. I love it. Everyone's thinking, but they're too afraid to say it. It's like people really don't want to read about that shit. They don't. <laughs> Look, like, most of the people I know don't even want to read about straight relationships. Yeah, I don't because that's like, not what you're here for comics for. You want to have yeah. some, you know, extravagant, you know, a fun, awesome story adventure. You know, with, mm-hmm. with characters with superhuman powers or you know horror elements or whatever you want to call it. Mo- like I could care less about. Uh, you know, Superman and Lois or Spider-Man and Mary Jane. Like, that's not why I collect those comics or why I read those comics. You know, like, I don't care about someone's personal relationships. So it's not even a straight thing. It's just me personally, I don't care. You know, relationships are, are a detriment, in my opinion, to what I like to read in comics. Now, somebody might disagree with me in that, and that's fine. That's what's yeah. cool about comics, because it's all, you know, it, it covers everything. You know, everyone likes comics right. for different reasons, but... Mm-hmm. You know, just to be like, you know, hey, we got a gay character. And guess what? Now, the only thing about this story is going to be wrapped around the gay elements of this character. Mm-hmm. And you limit the storytelling because you do that. You know, anytime you 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 reduce a character down to his race or his or her race or mm-hmm. their sexual orientation, you are limiting the story because you have to wrap them in whatever that is. And in today's politics mm-hmm. or today's narrative and put that into comics. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense because nobody wants to read that. I think that's what people just kind of fail to understand is they'll try to fight tooth and nail about something that like you can tell they don't care enough and that's fine to admit though. But apparently yeah. if you're honest now, you're just the worst human being ever. And I, I, I said, this, this I said this, you're pretty sure you saw that tweet I did yesterday. I was like, Hey, babe, I'm just being honest here. No one's trying to read about that shit. Mm-hmm. If I gotta be the guy to say it, I'll be the guy to say it. You can, holler you can scream about it you can tell me i'm stupid podcast low views all this shit it doesn't matter but the point that i try to make yesterday that people just forget you don't care enough about these characters to the point where if there was a gay company like let's say there were there was a gay character that was really popular for comic books i I truly don't think people are that interested though i mean i don't know of any gay characters very popular in general that's the thing too you know people can't even name them to you because they're not because no one cares to read them because they don't give a fuck <laughs> now i know that there's like forced gay characters that they'll be like oh this gay yeah. this character is very popular you know because what you know and they'll give reasons but there's no like if you were to ask somebody who their favorite character is mm-hmm. um most likely they're not going to say a, a gay character it's just not you know people like characters one that you can relate to and that's a funny thing mm-hmm characters when you're written right can relate to any reader you know it doesn't matter what their skin color is what their sexual orientation is if you write them correctly it can identify or the reader can identify with them because of what they're going through in their life or their story arc that's how you want to develop a character not to do some kind of um brownie points because you're trying to reach a certain group or whatever you know so if you had a really cool dynamic character that had a great character like a design the character had a great design to him, a good, you know, aesthetic visual look. And they had an awesome story, great story arc. You like to see, you know, like how, what are they dealing with? What are, you know, what's what the hero's journey kind of thing? What are they going through? How can I relate to that? It doesn't matter, you know, if I'm gay or not. Like I can relate to that character because right, of the yeah. story arc that they're going through. That's fine. I don't think anybody would bitch about that. 
yeah. as soon as you put a gay character on the page, it has to be something that wraps up in like the coming out or, you know, mm -hmm. being, you know, people being uh, bigoted about it, you know, or something that deals with uh, the down, what the struggles are that they like to say that the gay characters or whatever have to endure in real life, you know, mm -hmm. and not everybody can relate to that. So if you're reading that, you're not relating to it. So why do you care about the character? Right. There has to be another angle to that. And like, like you may have mentioned earlier, once that happens, it's always about like their sexuality. And, and I'm sitting here telling people, it's not, it's not about the character being gay, or trans or lesbian. This is what people don't understand. That's all it becomes. It's nothing about right. who you are as a person, your morals, your principles, how exactly. do you your day-to-day -day life, how do you interact with other characters in your story. It's only about the sexuality. And that, I'm just telling yep. people, no one wants to read that weird fetish shit. No one wants to read that. <laughs> I, I, I don't, dude, I don't know if they'll laugh at me why people straight up lie to themselves and then will tell you they like, they don't care about it that much. Then when it comes to time to buy that shit, they don't even buy it. They don't buy it. And then this is also the another thing that people don't point out, which is like, let's say you'll buy a comic book, right? You'll say whatever reasons why you don't like it or like it or whatever. But then, And then someone's going to tell you who didn't spend money on it why you're a piece of shit. That right, doesn't even make yeah. sense. They're going to tell you you're wrong about oh. all this other nonsense about shit that they wouldn't even spend money on themselves. I, I'm sort of going well, like these people are just fake. It's just gaslighter. Well, they're, they're, absolute, they're absolutely fake. It's absolutely it's just, you know, it's, you're it's back just, in the day. Uh, you're saying you're generous. It's a poser. They're just a poser. Yeah. That's all it is. These people don't that's absolutely care. all. That's absolutely all this. I mean, they, they live in a bubble. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, social media, Twitter world, whatever you want to call it, is a bubble. And they see the people that have the same kind of viewpoints mm -hmm. as they do. And they think that that represents the world or that represents the comic book world. And then when they put a gay character out, all their friends and everybody comes out and they're like, oh, you know, finally, we've been waiting for this. And I can I'm, I feel seen and all this kind of stuff. And they're thinking like, great, you know, we're doing something. Comic books are going right. to you know, like they're getting a the message. They're going to go out yeah. and buy these comics, except like you said earlier, that crowd isn't buying comics. They're not they don't interested. care. They just they just want to say, like, hey, cool, there's a gay yeah. character. Yo, yay, let's all clap yeah. our hands and be excited about it. But they're yeah. not going to go out and spend money to buy that comic. Let's be care. honest. Let's be honest. You're nine times out of ten, those people that they're trying to appeal to already like the characters the way they were. It's those silly yeah. activists that say, Oh, we gotta see ourselves. No, not most of the time, people like this shit the way it is. It's these crazy activist socialist people that are trying to push something that was never there you know how all these women keep saying there was never women that like this stuff first of all that's crazy no, yeah. that's they're they're, yes. they're all it's obviously less than men because it's a male dominated yeah, thing for sure but for women sure. just liked it the way it was women just yep. liked it the way it was maybe, maybe they didn't like all the overly sexual things once in a while but they were they're cool with most things that were going on kayla your friend she likes dragon ball z that's i was just gonna dudes. say most of the women I know, most of the women I know that love comics, love comics for comics. They don't have any complaint about the oversexualized women or anything like that, mm -hmm. you know, quote unquote, because I they don't think it is. You know, sex sells, you know, yeah, for right. any sexualized woman that's in a comic book, there's a sexualized male mm -hmm. character as well. You know, it's just it is what it is. You know, like people like to conven conveniently forget that kind of stuff. People but can, the, can but the girls I know, like Kayla, Kayla loves that kind of stuff. You know, I know other other girls yeah. that, that are similar to my age that collected comics and I can have conversations with them. And they'll be like, oh, we loved Witchblade. You know, there's one of the most almost naked chicks running around all the time. But guess what? She was hot and she was badass. So chicks saw that and they're like, yes, that is awesome. You know, like hmm. I think people kind of forget that, that they get so wrapped up in the whole you know, the feminist movement of the eye candy or the male gaze. And they're like, mm -hmm. this isn't the way it should be. This doesn't represent women. Guess what? 
we don't want comics to represent the normal everyday woman. Sorry to break it to you, ladies. You know, we don't want comics to represent the everyday normal men either. That's just not what you want. You're diving into a fantasy world, usually with people with superpowers, and, and they're supposed to be, you know, attractive. All these people are supposed to be very good looking. You know, you, if you watch a movie and you have a bunch of ugly actors, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Not- are you going to really, are you going to enjoy the movie? Probably not. You want a movie with good looking actors. You want, or, you know, just as an example. It is. Who, like, if there was two movies coming out, one had Melissa McCarthy, who's ugly as fuck, or Amy Schumer, and one had Black and Scarlett Johansson or Ana de Armisen. There you I'm go. pretty sure we're choosing which one we're watching. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. People will say you know? their bodies look fine, but when push comes to shove, when it's actually time for you to fork over some money, nah, nor to be seen. Same thing that I pointed on Twitter with Loki. People claim they love Loki so much. Where's all the chatter about Loki season two? Because that's, yeah, uh, that's what I—that's what I notice about people, dude—is instead of like saying how they really feel, they'll quietly just not talk about it nor view it because they're afraid of like a backlash from whatever mm. internet people or their family. So they'll just quietly just. You're like, hey, I'm just not checking this out. I, I, right. and, like, and like, they know you're telling the truth. They know you're, they're, they're like, this guy gets me, but I, I can't be in the ring like that. Like the WWE, I can't get in the ring, but I know he's, he's doing some good stuff out there. Neurotic said that too. Went on to his UK meeting. He said that people kept walking to it saying, Hey, I thought I was alone in this. People genuinely will nine times out of 10 not really try to fight as much as they should, even though they know what they're thinking is right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's- <sighs> The Loki thing is funny. I mean, just like uh, Secret Invasion or whatever that was called. Like, I didn't know any of those were even out because nobody was talking about it. You know, mm-hmm. and that's that's just a funny thing in when you look at like the fall of you know Marvel specifically, Marvel Disney, but just comic book stuff in general. Because you went through a decade of some really awesome stories and characters and movies, great visual effects, and you know we were in a honeymoon period where you you were still not kind of used to seeing superhero movies on, on the screen. You know, and all of a sudden now we got superhero movies and they're coming out and they're great. And every, you know, it's a high fever pitch. And everyone's like, this is never going to end. You know what? It probably never would have, if you didn't infuse all of the political stuff, as soon as Endgame happened and they're like, all right, that story arc is done. Now we're going to go ahead. And now we have an opportunity to introduce all these characters and let's push these, this agenda, let's push this agenda. And it starts coming out and, Phase four has been completely uh, rudderless. There's been no real direction. What's the story arc we're building to? You know, when they, when they ben- admitted this, they admitted this yeah. with the Hollywood, the THR article where they covered their their TV issues, and you could and I knew from watching WandaVision, going to fight fucking with a soldier. I was like, these guys don't know what the fuck they're doing. Literally, yeah. they basically admitted that they found out these guys are clueless at TV. First of all, if you have TV with no no showrunner, that's already like, oh god, that means their egos got so big. They're like, we're just gonna run the TV business now. We're we're the top dog. It's like, no, that's not how TV works, buddies. That's yeah. just not how that happens. And, and here's the thing: like Kevin Feige was supposed to supposed to still be the showrunner. Like I remember when they first talked about the Me Disney too. shows yeah. coming. Yeah. They're like, they're gonna be the go betweens. They're gonna be the in betweens between movies. So they're gonna give ex- characters yeah, more, some extra screen yeah, time. Yeah. We're gonna develop mm-hmm. them a little bit more, and it's gonna all be working towards the overall story. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, cool. That is a great idea. It really is a very good idea yeah. if you were able to pull it off. Mm-hmm. But when they made the series, the series made no points. In fact, they did so much reshooting on WandaVision and, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier that the they made no sense. The the shows made no sense from beginning to end. It was like, what mm-hmm. was the story arc? What was the point of this? You know, 
Right. And when we were watching the, uh, the phase one through whatever three, whatever it was, everybody knew that we were working up to infinity war and everybody knew that it was going to take five, six, seven years to get there. Mm-hmm. That was the cool selling point. It's like, how do we, you know, what is going to keep pushing this storyline and all the movies interact with each other for they, they, they paved the story forward in one way or the other, bringing these, this giant universe cosmic and, and earthbound whatever you want to call it together to the point where infinity war was happening and the fever pitch for infinity infinity war when that was getting ready to drop when we knew it was coming out and whatever year it was and you first got to see the trailer uh the teaser trailer i mean the hype man i was so excited as a viewer and they did it right like that was the formula and for some odd reason phase four rolls around and kevin kevin foggy decides to take a, a vacation from everything and he starts being like hey let's do this you know i'm handing everything off no more is there this big, you know, uh, story arc. They could have been right off the bat saying, hey, next thing, big thing we're going to be planning towards is, uh, you know, Secret Wars. And this is how it's going to happen. It's going to start with, boom, this movie, and we're going to go forward. And that's going to be the end game is Secret Wars. And they didn't do anything. Every single movie is just kind of floundering. You know, and everything has really sucked. There's been no movie that's been really good. There's been so-so movies that they put out that have been okay. All the, the TV one... series have been like, eh. Yeah, you know? the only one that... I see that people really enjoyed was just no way home, but that's not even really Marvel. That's mostly Sony. Sony. Yeah. 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 I've had the argument with people also. I'm like, look, that's not a Marvel movie. That was a Sony movie. Yes. It dealt with because it's they Sony's have Spider-Man movie with Marvel's logo on it. That's essentially what it is. Honestly. Yeah. It, what it did was it, it was pushing the Sony at the time, Sony verse forward. And who knows what mm. happened with that either. I mean, that, that's been a disaster <laughs> as well, but that's what it was. It was doing. It was pushing that forward. And if you think about that movie, that movie basically took Spider-Man out of the Marvel Universe by making everybody forget who the hell he is. So everything right. that you had just built up through Civil War when he first jumped on, you know, all the way through his first two mm-hmm. movies, completely thrown out the window. You know, so like that didn't advance the Marvel storyline at all. Right. You know, so that was that was to me. I was like, OK, they're going to take that character and put it back in Sony. That's what they're going to do. They're going to create this universe with all these villains and he's going to go show up in this this other world and we're not going to see him in Marvel anymore and they're going to go on that way. Mm-hmm. Who knows what's going on with that? But again, it's just like, what's what's the plan? And that's why these movies are just kind of they're falling apart because there's no real hype. There's no excitement. Nobody gives a shit about the Marvels that's coming out. <laughs> you know, that's another one that just has no hype. But those Nobody's shirts tell you how, how bigoted you are for not like, or how misogynist <clears throat> you are, even though they're not going to go watch it. That's that must be the most funniest shit ever. People will tell you you're the you're every horrible thing in the book about some shit that they're not even gonna go watch themselves. Like that's oh. fucking ridiculous, man. And you know, here's a here's a funny thing with Miss Marvel, the Miss Marvel character, uh, with her first movie and now the Marvels. You know, they're trying to appeal to some kind of female audience that doesn't really exist the way that they think exists because there's a female audience out there. But the thing is they're missing the point that the female audience wants to see in these Marvel movies are strong male characters. That's what they're going to go see the movies for. They, they're not going to, they're not trying to go see a, a strong female character. That's not what is appealing to the female uh, moviegoer. It's not, they want to go and imagine themselves, you know, with Thor or with Captain America, you know, these, these sexy men they are doing these, you know, you know, uh, super heroic things. That's what they want to do. They don't want to go see a, a feminist movie with a very unhappy female character that's just frowning and grumpy all the time and just you know kicking everybody's ass nobody wants to see that not even not even the women you know and that's i think it's been pretty evident with the numbers and i have no idea what the marvels are going to do 
but I guarantee it's not going to be like it could be the lowest rated on the lowest box office for any yeah, uh, Marvel movie to date. People were so much. Oh God, man! Back that might be the luckiest movie to hit a billion dollars. Oh, it was. It was all. It was all marketing, man. Because they were like, "This is in between um, mm-hmm. Infinity War, yeah, and uh, Endgame. Endgame. Thank you. It was in between mm-hmm. Infinity War and Endgame, and they're like, this. Yo, know, everybody was just tuned into that movie because they thought it was gonna be something that connected those two, and it didn't right. at all, except the very, very end, which you could have done in any movie." brought right. that character in and then they didn't even use the character in endgame because people hated yeah. the character yeah nobody wanted to see this new character come in that had not established any kind of uh sweat or blood e- equity mm-hmm. through the 10 years you know people wanted to see iron man captain america thor fight thanos they didn't want to see this brand new character that nobody cared about come in and now be the savior of the day and what thanos is ass nobody wanted mm-hmm. that you know it's just it's bad marketing it's bad decision making from the people that are in, uh, on the top or at the top, just uh, have an agenda. That's it. They don't know storytelling. They're, you're killing storytelling. It goes back to what we were saying again. Mm-hmm. You cannot tell a good story if all you are wrapped up in is one aspect of a character, and that being a strong female character, you're just focusing on that. You have lost all elements of a story, and why should we care about this character? Because it goes back to something that you brought up earlier, which was why did they make the shows? They made the shows also to give you more MCU because, remember, after Far From Home, they're the top dog. They're the highest grossing yeah. film franchise of all time. They're, they're still it. They, they still are. Their, their record's never getting broken anytime soon. So they know they're the top dog at this time. And they're like, you know what? More MCU, the better. But we'll also give you shows kind of, you know, grown, developed characters that we probably aren't going to be able to give movies for. But, that, right. but they never realized this issue. If they don't actually make good shows, that is what's going to cause what is now called superhero fatigue. You know, yeah. I don't really believe there is superhero fatigue. I think it's just bad quality. Super, That's exactly bad what it quality is. fatigue. Yeah, but they re- but they didn't realize this. If we put out all this stuff and it's not good, that will inherently actually will cause fatigue. And plus, if you put on stuff that much, people just won't value it the same. The way yeah. you value an MCU movie coming out every two years is much different valuing an MCU product you know is coming out within every two months. Remember, dude, back in twenty twenty one, it was WandaVision. Like a week break, then Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki came out like three weeks later. Then it was What If. It was originally Miss Marvel in 2021 as well, but they pushed that back to 2022. Then we just had Hawkeye. It's five shows in 2021. Five. That's not counting the other four movies you had that year too. Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, No Way Home. That's a lot of shit. Yeah, see, I completely forget about those movies, you know. Um, You know, honestly, that might have worked Mm -hmm. if you had an overall story arc that you were building. If WandaVision came out and was establishing the beginning of phase four and what we were going to do, mm-hmm. like, let's just say that you wanted to take Wanda and make her like the true villain of phase four leading up to something even bigger. Mm-hmm. You establish that with WandaVision and then you carry that story into Falcon and Winter Soldier. You could have had a story arc with those two characters showing mm-hmm. what they're doing, but you could still tie it in WandaVision. So you're keeping the storyline going and it's building up, building up every time you hit a new um tv series and then the next movie that hits whatever that movie was going to be then you really push the story forward and you take what you have just done in these little side stories and that's basically all these series were supposed to be side stories for the greater story arc and then you 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 take that excitement and you're like all right now you got to see this movie because we're really pushing this forward everything that we just built on these three tv series is going mm-hmm. into whatever dr strange or freaking whatever movie and we're going to really show you what's going to happen now, you know, and then you continue your story arc, you know, it's just, 
but they didn't do that. Everything was on its own and made absolutely no sense. Absolutely no sense. And then people forget, not only were these shows not good, because the only one that I enjoyed at all was just Falcon and Winter Soldier. And that's crazy because that's the only one I even enjoyed. And that one's okay. I mean, there was, yeah, there was yeah. elements of, of Falcon and Winter Soldier that I really liked. Um, yeah, true. Yeah, The villains were the... Te- villains were terrible in that show. terrible villains it, yeah. it was horrible it was it, i mean the villains were just god god awful i don't know why people keep casting that that freckle face girl oh, i hate her man she's she was so a willow trash. too yeah oh she was, she's i mean so trash. Just, yeah. she's one of those actresses that pops up in a movie and instantly or whatever just pops up and instantly i don't want to watch whatever she's in because i'm just the, like i'm the, i'm over whoever the she other is thing to your point which is people don't understand if you get too much of something inherently as a person you will value it less even if like the storytelling is good because you factor that's a lot of shit coming out you know and if it's coming out so much you as a person you're gonna you're gonna go well i know it's gonna be there do i have to watch it right now and that's the problem that bringing the shows have you know if if i know that there's all this mcu stuff coming out well i'm used to an mcu movie coming out every two years you know, kind of going and making it like an event. These movies were like events as they kept building up. Yeah. Well, why would you make Black Widow an event the same way you would make Falcon and Winter Soldier an event? You can't make them the same. You're inherently as a person going to value it less. And now we've got all these superhero movies coming out now, up to even this year in 2023. And you see the numbers, well, DC has their own issue, but Marvel's, I think they yeah. just gave people too much. You know, Bob Iger mentioned this too. Too much of the MCU is not good. He that, that That's why, like, as you see through these last two years, the show numbers have gone down. Not not viewers. The actual number of shows they're doing has gone down. So in 2021, oh. like five. 2022 is like Moon Knight, She-Hulk, and Miss Marvel. Yeah. And in this year, it's just Secret Vision and Loki. And then next year is probably, probably going to be just Daredevil. They've significantly I thought that got canceled. Cut... Oh, no. Kevin Feige walked in. I was like, this is shit. And we're redoing it. That's literally what happened. Oh, well, hopefully <laughs> that's a good thing. And maybe they can course correct. Because at some yeah. point, they need to course correct. Because now they've taken about, let's say, five years. Right. Or four years at least of just a loss. That's what they've taken. Loss and backlash because their product is no longer good. They don't have the will of the viewers right behind them anymore. So not they have to do something to get that back. Uh Daredevil would be a good way to do it because everyone loved the Netflix Daredevil. All right. Mm-hmm. So if you take that series and makes it make it now a Marvel series and you you mess that up. Mm-hmm. That could be the breaking point. Like everybody's just gonna be like because you can't take a popular show retool it and then put out a shit product it's just not going to work so they better do everything they can do to make daredevil awesome and get a little bit of excitement going for whatever they're trying to push uh again i don't think there's superhero fatigue i think there's story fatigue you know there was no direction to the stories uh secret invasion happens right i checked out 20 minutes of that i have not watched a single episode I never finished it, never watched a single episode because it was boring as hell. I didn't know why yeah. I was supposed to care about what's going on. You know, we well, hardly yeah. established the scrolls. We established the scrolls in Captain Marvel, which was a movie that nobody liked and nobody cared about. Mm-hmm. And so now you have a, a character like Nick Fury. And I think all they were trying to do was play off of Samuel L. Jackson's popularity, which I don't even think he has that much popularity anymore yeah. as an old man. And so you, you just watch this movie. that has no big names in it. It's all about Nick Fury and the scrolls. And it's just like, this is not there's nothing about this movie that it, or this TV series that's any kind of compelling. And you're not even saying like, Hey, this is a start to building up to something. And yeah, maybe we're getting up to like secret uh, wars, but secret invasion was just like, it was boring, <laughs> you know, and all to introduce another girl boss at the end of the show. That's all it was, you know, like, so now we got 
the most powerful characters in the Marvel universe is, is Captain Marvel. And then whatever this new chick character was, is essentially like a super scroll at the end of secret invasion. Now, so now you got two female characters are the most pow- powerful characters in, in the MCU. And that's all you've done right now is push that female agenda to make the strong female characters over the last phase of this, of the series. Right. And nobody cares. Nobody and, gives a shit about these characters. And I said this a lot. Uh, the Disney Investor Day, where they announced Secret Invasion. I was like, that needs to be a movie. Do people know what happens in it that story? Been a and, and it's, yeah. I hated that because they took a really, really good story and basically just threw it away. Oh, they ruined it. only used it for just name value alone. Because that's not Secret Invasion. That, that, that Secret Invasion basically just because they use the name. They know the name is popular. They know like yeah. people use the name a lot. So they just use that to draw people in. That has nothing to do with what that story was. That should have been an Avengers movie. That should have yeah. been an Avengers movie. Avengers Secret Invasion is what it should have been. And then you yeah. could have really had all the big players involved. Yeah. And you could have had the the twists and turns of mm-hmm. who was a scroll, who wasn't a scroll, all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And that could have built to something. Again, none of these story arcs, none of these stories build to anything. You know, even, even if, if you have like, yeah, Captain alone, America's they're not gone. even good, right? Like, even if they were just standalone stories, and you're like, okay, does, does it kind of stand on its own? No, it's, it's also it's terrible from like both angles. Not only is it set up useless from the MCU point of because like they set up things, and yeah. just on its own, it's bad, you know. Yeah. So, so they have no angles they have anymore. The shows are played out, the, the movies have gone downhill. The only one I, I, I enjoy is No Way Home, Doctor Strange 2 was. I guess all right in some areas, it, mostly not good. It was, yeah, it was not good. Thor Love and Thunder good. was that even a movie? That, I that, was, that was it was a piece horrible. Of shit. That was just a piece was of so shit horrible. on screen. Like, yeah, that uh, was that was so bad too. Um, yeah, Cheng Chi was bad. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the the problem is, so yeah, they're they're big draw characters. The big draw mm-hmm. actors were were leaving the MCU. Either they, they were too expensive. Or they wanted to move on and do something else because they spent ten years of their life playing a character. It was and, about time to move on too. <laughs> and they wanted, you know, but that hurt. Yeah, sure. because the characters you brought in did not replace Chris Evans mm-hmm. or Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. as those iconic characters. And when you have Iron Man and Captain America, those are the two main characters of your entire universe. Mm-hmm. That's where you started with those characters. And those were the guys. Those were the leaders. Those were the guys that fought each other in Civil War. Everything was based off those two characters. Very um charismatic actors people cared quite a bit about those those characters uh-huh. and in one movie you took them both out and then you're like well who's replacing them well you're thinking like well maybe it's gonna be thor no we're taking thor and we're, we're taking him completely off we're doing goofy stuff with him so thor's out so who are we replacing with is it gonna be spider-man no we're taking spider-man out uh-huh. and everybody's gonna forget who the hell he is so he's gone so what character and what actor died. are you 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 building the mcu around there is none. There's no face of the MCU right now where people are going to tune in and be like, I love Robert Downey Jr. I love Chris Evans. I can't wait to see these guys reprise their role on screen. There's nobody right now in the MCU that you're waiting for them to reprise their role. Chris um, Hemsworth might have been it if you had taken Thor in a good direction and made some good movies out of that instead of some kind of comic relief. I mean, what they did to Thor was insanely horrible. Yeah, They took that character and they made an ass out of him. Out of the character, he's a he's a, he's a comic relief dumbass. That's what he is. Even in the what if movies, in the cartoons, you made him a fucking fool. Mm-hmm. That was your that was your alpha male that you could have built the next phase of the MCU mm-hmm. around, and he could have taken over the Avengers, or he could have done something. 
powerful uh, male character that could have, you know, you could have really built something, done something special. Chris Hemsworth is, he's a charismatic dude. He could have done it if you, if you gave him the chance, but instead you went off in some way and you wanted to build it around what free Larson and captain Marvel or friggin' whoever that chick chick is from, uh, WandaVision, who is now, uh, I don't even oh, know where, where the character is going to be. Or, it's, uh, Fot- that's uh, Photon. The a- I forgot the actress's name, but, you know, anybody give a fuck about what she's doing. Yeah, nobody gives a fuck about her. You know, you could have gone with Ash- Ashley Olsen because she is a very popular ca- uh, actress and character. You could have taken, again, you could have built stuff around the Scarlet Witch, even if she was going to be the villain. Because mm-hmm. that's, a, that's, an, that's a compelling storyline to see a character like that so powerful mm-hmm. get pushed to the dark side. And then have to see all of her friends and family figure out how to deal with her. You know, you could have taken that beyond Doctor Strange. Because when Doctor Strange came out and they're like, oh, you know, she's going to be in it. And she's just going to be absolutely badass. And you just, you know, wrecking people. I was like, that's awesome. You know, let's work the House of M. You know, let's let's do something awesome on that scale where she rewrites the universe or does something where, you know, you, you start bringing in the multiverse because it's her. She's opening all this kind of stuff and bringing all this crap in. You, you could have done something like that, but you didn't. You let that kind of die in the way, on 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 the on the vine, and then you 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 pseudo pseudo kill her in, in Doctor Strange too, which obviously I don't believe she's dead, but you know, kind of set it up that way. And it's, again, it was wasted. You built it up in Wandavision, you took it into Doctor Strange too, and then you just wasted it. And it was just done, you know. I just, and again, there is nobody, there is no figure, no face of the franchise right now that people are clamoring for. That's why people want to see. Robert Downey Jr. come back, or they want to see Chris Evans come back because it's like we don't have anybody. We need that character to come back. We need that actor to come back to give some kind of life and legitimacy to these movies again. And until they establish that story-wise, make a good story and bring in you know a face that people can latch onto, I, I still don't know what they're gonna do. Like they they're in major trouble, in my opinion, major trouble. And this is something that I mentioned uh, uh, back. If you guys that are listening that are eventually going to listen to this on uh, podcasting platforms. When I have these episodes up, go back and listen to my nightwing podcast where we went over Ant-Man of the lost quantum mania, where I mentioned that exact point. If you're just for a sports analogy for anyone who's been into like sports, the reason why people go to like watch sports teams is because they're like big names. You like, it's just, that's why people, that's why they, that's why, you know, sports orgs work tirelessly to keep their biggest names because they know that's their biggest money driver for the most right. part. Right. When you look at the MCU, Who's they don't have any Michael Jordans or Kobe Bryant's or Shaq's? They don't. The, and one of them who could have been it died, which fucking sucks. Right. Tom Holland is not really kind of someone who can do that, even though he's Spider Man, which is crazy to think about. Chris Hemsworth, it's not going to be anything but just a retard. So that's yeah. not going to happen either, you know. And Benedict Cumberbatch is Doctor Strange, as people saw how they treated him in Doctor Strange too. Yeah, it's the same thing, you know all the male characters have been reduced to something that's not mm-hmm. any, anything kind of special, you know? And, and that's, that's the, that was their major mistake. They mm-hmm. wanted to push the, the female agenda, the strong female characters, and they did it at the expense of all the strong male characters. And what you did is you not only dro- drove mm-hmm. away your male viewers, but you drove away a lot of the female viewers as well. You know, someone like Kayla can absolutely get on here and tell, tell you exactly how much she hates the fact that there are all these strong female characters. It's not because it's a female character or a strong female character in general. It's just the way that you write the characters, how you push the characters, mm-hmm. you know, like you, 
you could have a strong female character along with the strong male characters and you can have compelling storylines, but they don't want to do that. Now, all of a sudden, you know, Thor's an idiot. He's a, he's a blonde haired, you know, just, you know, bimbo. That's what they made him into. And one of the most powerful characters in the MCU is a, is a blonde haired bimbo. Doctor Strange is a stumbling, bumbling idiot. That's just making mistake after mistake. You know, um, Captain America and Iron Man are dead are gone, you know, whatever. They're out of the picture. And Spider-Man is off, you know, nobody knows who he is. And he's off doing his own thing now. It's just you did nothing for the male characters to go forward to establish one of them to be the next lead in the MCU. And the MCU needs a lead. And they have no leads right now. Hmm. And then the other thing that people don't bring up is it's not that the it's all these men, men, many issues that you brought up, but it's also the general fact that the enthusiasm for their products have just gone down. You know, I I think people need to understand how movie market works, right? So someone would look at Thor Love and Thunder made 720 something million worldwide. It was like people, it's a $250 million budget plus the hundreds of millions in marketing. No, I would double that in marketing. So I don't think people really actually understand this stuff. They just spout nonsense, right? So let's take an example here. So recently you saw this on Twitter. They try to say the Marvels, which has a budget of 250 some odd million dollars, very similar to the Flash, right? So we'll just say it's about the Flash merch just for conversation's sake. So okay. they try to compare the Marvel's 250 million dollar budget to the Flash's budget, but the Marvels had to make 419 million worldwide to break even. All right, so you know how crazy it is, people. The Flash had to make 720. That's just to break even. That's not making money. That's not making profit. This all right. are very, very different in business terms, okay? Why would the Marvels with a very similar budget need to make less than the Flash to break even? That doesn't even make sense. That's how you can tell the media is just full of liars. Why would a movie of a similar budget caliber need to make less than the other one that needed to make more? That My, my brain was frying <laughs> when I was reading. I was, I was sitting there reading this going, okay, no one, you, you can't be reading this and thinking this is actual truth here. This is just they're trying to gaslighting. they're trying to um, do damage control ahead of time. They're trying to paint a narrative right ahead of time because they know the movie's not going to do well. So if they put a realistic number and be like, "Hey, if we hit this number, then it, it's all you know, sun, sunshine and roses," you know, even though it's not. <laughs> but they can be like, "Hey, we they did you know whatever million bucks, you know, like it, you know, this was a great successful movie." And so that that all the people out there that just blindly go along with, they're going to just believe and be like, "Oh yeah, that's great." Meanwhile, same we don't forget with... theater costs, like ticket sales. Uh, the, well, theaters get their cut and percentage yeah. of ticket sales. People, I think we have to forget this. Distribution costs are probably even more than what the theaters take. You, you got, you guys, you know, you can't just put your movie in someone's territory for free. Right. And then those individual theaters you put it into also have to get a cut. I think do people just dumb? Like, there's I mean, no way it, someone is this stupid. That's what it is. That's, that's what it is. I mean, and, and uh, no, it, it definitely is people being that stupid. Because people just they, they don't. Yes. I mean, honestly, that's what it is. People don't care to to really understand. look into the stuff. Yeah, yeah, they don't care to understand what you know the industry is when it comes to stuff like that. They just want you know they'll take some blind loyalty. Like, look at the Blue Beetle people. All right, Blue Beetle came out and I never saw it, but whether Me it was either. good or not has no has no point. If it's bad or good, I, I don't really care. But the point mm-hmm. is, uh, people are all excited because it made like what sixteen million dollars <laughs> on opening weekend or something. <laughs> Terrible. And it was like the bar had been lowered so much that people were like, "Oh, it's such a good movie. You know, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna have a good second leg and all this kind of stuff. This deserves, you know, more money." Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. And and it just didn't. Nobody gave a shit about the movie because 
one, yeah, probably fatigue. And it's a character nobody knows about. You know, it, people in their DCites, <laughs> whatever you want to call them, <laughs> the people that are like big DC fans know who Blue Beetle is, and they're like, "Oh, he's a great I love character." Jaime Reyes, you know. <laughs> but the normies don't know him, right? Yes, and that's the point. Like, you need to make movies that are going to attract the normies, and not just. But I mean, Marvel had for this, a yeah. small period of time, Marvel had the ability to take characters like the Guardians of the Galaxy right, and Ant yeah. Man and still make a billion dollars or whatever close to a billion dollars for those movies mm-hmm. you know in because there was a it was the hype machine they they did it in the in the in the moment of yeah. building the hype and they were rolling the machine was rolling the monster was going you couldn't stop it so like let's throw these movies out there we're so high or hype right now people are going to go out and see whatever we put out that's the only reason why those movies worked and they were good movies like good movies good casting all that kind of stuff dc has not established that at all you DC know, they, they also their... tried tried to for the 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 actual strategy wrong. So what Marvel did is they they established early on these are your main players. So if you you already established main people, so when you got characters like Guardians and Ant Man, you're already like, well, you know what? Let me check out this guy. I already saw my main players movies. Yeah, let's give these guys a chance. DC didn't do it that way. DC just randomly threw out a random character people probably barely know toward the tail end of their universe that's already getting rebooted and think it's going to have the same effect. It's like it's not. that Even if they... You know how people keep saying they try to copy Marvel? They, they haven't because they keep fucking up the strategy. They, and here's the thing. Regardless of what people want to say about the Snyderverse, and I personally like the Snyderverse. Like, mm-hmm. it was a darker take in the stuff, and I kind of appreciated that. I like, you know, visually, I, I like what Snyder did um, with his movies. <clears throat> They messed up by just abandoning that so fast because they were trying to catch up with Marvel so fast mm-hmm. that when the numbers weren't being returned, you know, they they panicked and then they went the Josh Whedon direction and they're like, oh, we got we got to blow everything up. And now they've been rudderless ever since um, Justice League came out. You had a pretty decent, interesting movie with the, the Snyder Cut, which was great. They should just... Re- course corrected at that point like we're going to go in that direction instead you're going to bring in a guy like james gunn you're going to reboot everything so in this reboot when you're telling everybody that that part of the universe we're 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 killing it we're going a new direction casting all these new characters and then we're going to drop this movie blue beetle and expect you to understand where it fits within either time you know you know timeline either universe and it, why should you care about this character? You never introduced this character in any movie prior. So the fans never got a chance to see him as a side character come in for whatever reason. You know, that was what was brilliant about Marvel bringing in Spider-Man. Spider-Man actually had the name, but instead of just jumping in and saying, hey, we got the Spider-Man character. Spider-Man number one is coming out in this year. They brought him in in Civil War and they allowed him to be a cameo character. So you could re- get reintroduced to him, a new actor. You know, this is what he's going to be like in the Marvel Universe. And everybody can fall in love with him because, hey, it's Spider-Man. It's so awesome. He just popped up in this movie. And then you take that hype and you make a movie. If you had done that with Blue Beetle, I don't think you would have had the same success because of the name recognition. But you could have at least brought in Blue Beetle, much like they did with Wonder Woman and Batman v Superman. You know, brought yeah. her in and then, boom, she has a movie coming out the next summer. Bring Blue Beetle into one of those movies, establish him as whatever, you know, show his right. powers off, you know, whatever, and be like, the Blue Beetle movie is coming. Then people are kind of like, oh, I saw that character. He's kind of a cool character. Let me see what his movie's like. You know, so I, that's one of the big one of the big reasons I think that that movie falters. 
nobody knew who the hell the character was. And then you know? the 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 strategy to do what Marvel did for them doesn't even work because when they tried to establish like their big players, that kind of fumbled. And then they course corrected into just putting out movies for characters where it's like this guy is cool and all, but like why isn't Batman having a movie? Where's Superman? That was Where's big. That Wonder was a big Woman? fall. That was yeah. It. So yeah, they should have. They should have. Okay. So Man of Steel came out, and then they had Batman v Superman, which I was fine with. You know, you're capitalizing on the Batman character. You know, the the Nolan trilogy was done. You're mm-hmm. kind of you know keeping that hot thing going. Right. Bring Batman in. I actually like Ben Affleck was Batman. I thought it was fine. I thought a lot of Snyder's movies suffered from editing mm-hmm. because it had to be so to- teared down that it, it almost it, it really like if you watch the the uncut versions of Batman v Superman, so much better. Makes so much more sense because of everything they had to cut out. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, some of the the, the uh, deleted scenes as well. Mm-hmm. But you should have done that. And then you should have gone, you should have killed Superman. That was a big thing. Shouldn't have done mm-hmm. that. That was a good storyline you could have kept after after a Justice League movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you should have had the Wonder Woman movie, which was really good. That was actually a very good movie. And then you should have had a solo Batman movie and then a solo Superman movie after Batman v Superman. Now, everybody exists in the same universe. You brought all those characters in in Batman v Superman. Now, you gave them all a solo run to have something happen. And now you come up with a Justice League movie that brings them all back together again mm-hmm. to ha- to fight some you know greater evil, like you know, Brainiac or something like that. That's how they should have done it instead of just going right into the Justice League. But they were so desperate and trying to catch up to Marvel. And that's, they were skipping all the steps. You know, but I do think that if they kept that Snyderverse going, it might have been interesting because I like the kind of more darker, uh, more mature vibe that 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 series had. And like, yeah, people can be like, well, it wasn't representing Superman correctly. And it wasn't. I love Superman's character. It was a Superman on the screen. It was a version of Superman, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a Superman that we would normally think existed. Um, Batman, same thing. But like, okay, whatever. You've established that this is the universe they live in. So let's build the characters. Let's grow the characters now in this universe and see how everybody you know, gets along. And I think that could have been a really good contrast to what Marvel was doing because at that time Marvel was getting very formulaic. You know, we were still in phase three, but a lot of the movies were starting to all hit that formula and starting to kind of all you know feel the same as they were coming out. And that was another thing too. You could kind of see it, even though Endgame and Infinity War was or <clears throat> Infinity War and Endgame were great. Mm-hmm. more so infinity war <clears throat> you could see the the formula they're almost getting lazy with the formula of every single movie it was kind of almost the same movie with just different characters and that was that should have been a hint to all of us that it was yeah. you know like something was starting to happen where you know the wheels were about to fall off and the, the thing about warner brothers they never understood was that they never understood how the mcu hit the way it did it really right. did Good take point. setup you know yep. and i hated you know you said dc fans are stupid i think they're even more retarded these people <laughs> are so dumb that they, you know, these people didn't watch this shit because I, I could tell if they did. DC literally did that themselves, animated wise. The yeah. reason why JLA Unlimited and MA series can hit the way it does because you saw the Batman Superman anime series, the Batman Beyond stuff. DC literally set, it did something very similar like what Marvel did, just an animated form many years ago before the MCU's inception. Mm. I don't understand people's mindset. About that lot, about that specific point, not 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 yours, right? But about that specific yeah. point, people bring up. How can they not do it when they're the ones who started it? That that 
my brain was melting. Like, so they can't do a setup when I've seen them do it. And, and this is even the icing the cake. There was an animated universe going on at the same time that was doing just that. Now, all yeah. those anime, anime movies, in my opinion, are as good as everyone makes, makes them out to be. But so you're telling me that these back then they can do it animated wise. They can do it right now as this universe is going on, but they can't do it right now. This movie universe. That's such a crock of shit, dude. We know that. I just don't think they had the right people in charge to do it. They, they honestly did what you just said. They just wanted money so fast because they knew the superhero cash cow was then. So they, they the, the executives just well, didn't and, understand that. And Zack Snyder was a he was a hot director at the time. You know, he was a big name in the industry coming off some really you know he had stylized movies. Yeah, yep, those were all big, that kind yeah. of stuff. You know, like so people saw that and they're like, We're you know, let's do this. We're gonna try to capitalize on this hot director, hot mm-hmm. name at the time. And we're gonna be like, here's Superman. We're going in all these directions. We're and we're bringing out the monster to compete with with the monster that is mm-hmm. Marvel, you know. So it all sounded good in the beginning. They just mm-hmm. they just didn't stick to the landing. They didn't have a good direction what they were going to. Right. Now, if you listen to the, to uh, Scott Snyder, and you listen Scott, to his, what is that guy? That guy's or, awesome, <laughs> Zack Snyder. You listen to Zack Snyder, and you you listen to what his actual plans were. If they had just gone that way and let it play out, it might have been pretty cool. Like there would have been backlash because of the way that they were they were mm-hmm. treating certain characters, but the story arc would have been cool, and you could have put a pin in it, you know, and been like, "All right, we tried it. We went from A to B, told the mm-hmm. entire story, did what we wanted to do, and it was you was you either accept it or, or don't." Mm-hmm. the The biggest issue they had was they got they got scared, they got scared right in the middle of it, and they had to go in a different direction, you know. And when you do that, you can't just establish a universe. And within a couple years, try to take it in a completely different direction or blow it up. It's just not going to work. You know, you, right. you and write it's just it. the treatment of the characters is what really threw people off. Not even on screen. It was more like people have to forget Wonder Woman has more movies than Superman in a DC universe that's supposed to be connected. That's supposed to compete with the MCU. Remember, this is made to compete right. with that. Yeah. Superman and Batman, your main big. I love me some Wonder Woman. But they're bigger players than her. Your biggest that's like going to a Lakers game back when Kobe was alive and you're trying to see some bench warmers. Do I want to see Kobe Bryant, Pal Gasol, Derek Fisher? Now I want to see some bench warmers. No, these are retarded, dude. They're trying to show you like bench warmer people. These guys aren't like truly terrible. It's like, but no, you have to have these guys first to establish what the greater universe will look like. They're yeah, trying to show you people like Aquaman and And I love that first example. I think it's really good, honestly. But she's the Aquaman movie was fine. Yeah, but those are movies and characters you focus on when, like, the Trinity is firmly setting up everything for the universe, actually. Or a Justice League, right? Or Green Lantern, or the because they wanted to use Jon Stewart, Zach did. Even that's fine, you know? Yeah, I mean, even if they wanted to use Jon Stewart, I mean, he's still a popular character. We got a Birds of Prey movie. That movie was terrible. Oh, I completely forgot about that. And and the Harley Quinn movie. Uh, Wait, no, that was Birds of Prey. Yeah, it's just... uh, Yeah, see forgettable stuff that they put out um yeah but yeah they made a the big mistake like they didn't make a batman movie do you remember what the original concept was for the I ben did. affleck the batman Jet- movie i mean that yeah, sounded yeah. fucking awesome it did actually that edge did sound pretty good yeah i mean you're talking about doing like an arkham asylum or you know like basically kind of on the video game bringing in um death blow wait Deathstroke. Deathstroke. Yeah, that was the wrong character. They, we we even saw test footage of what it was he was going to look like. He yes. looked great. It was it a Joe sick. Magniello. He looked yeah, well, yeah. Great. I can never pronounce his last name, but yeah, it looked sick. And you're thinking to yourself like, okay, they got mm-hmm. something. Like this movie could be the best Batman movie, just as mm-hmm. far as cool wise, because you already gave that that scene in B- Batman v Superman where Batman is is wasting all those dudes in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. One of the best 
fight scenes you ever see a Batman character, mm-hmm. you know, like the bat suit ever do. Like mm-hmm. that was an awesome fight scene. You're like, yes, give me more of that Batman. Now give me that with him going into Arkham Asylum or fighting, you know, like all mm-hmm. these, all, all the arch enemies have been released and then going after a death stroke and, you know, having a big old knockdown drag out fight at the end with this, this awesome character sounded amazing. And for whatever reason that fell apart, you know, Ben Affleck, I know I had a lot to do with that too, with his personal life and, and all that kind of stuff. But that's kind of where it ended. If you would, if you had gone from Batman v Superman, and you hit Wonder Woman, which did really well, and then you came off that with the Batman movie the next year, and it came off that with another, the next Superman movie, the next Man of Steel, Man of Steel two, and like I said before, then you ride that hype into Justice League, is what you should have done. You know, you don't obviously this is what by not killing Superman, which they made the big mistake. I don't know what what Snyder was thinking about killing superman that that early yeah like, and that that's my make any that's sense. my issue with like snyder is those stories he used for that movie it's funny that those could be event movies those are like just movies that basically change the fabric of how your universe works so like obviously death of superman dark knight returns what was the other one he used under the red hood or yeah oh. yeah the, the, the uh, death in the family those are like yeah. iconic stories you could do solo movies on for these characters and big event movies death of superman literally is a big event thing Right? Oh, it should be. How can they do it in the animated universe, but they can't do it live action? I told people this is the reason why. Egos. It's all ego. Yeah. Why is yeah. Bruce? Why is Bruce Tim or the guy who wrote on Batman the animated series? I, I, keep, I, keep, I keep forgetting his name. Is it Bruce? I'm pretty sure it's Bruce Tim. For the sure animated it's... series. Yeah, yeah. The original the guy, animated series. Or, yeah. Or the nineties uh, animated. Yeah, it was Bruce Tim. Give me one sec. Batman. Batman. Yeah, it was Bruce animated. Tim that. Did the designs and a lot of the art and story I mean, direction? Cast. I'm trying to the right. Uh, is it Bruce Tim? Yeah. Or there's no reason why the animated people who have the fans love their work. The fans literally love their work. Yeah. There's no reason why the writers, directors, producers, not the actresses, the voice acting. It's a, it's a different angle to that. But just the the people that do the creative vision, the writers and the directors, all those people. There's no reason why they shouldn't be working on the live action stuff. That's what I told people. The reason why they don't, I'm afraid they don't even want to. Because I appreciate sure they love a big pay grade from working on animated stuff to live action stuff. It's yeah. ego. Well, they, yeah. they, they know they don't want that cartoon stuff out doing their live action stuff. It's literally just ego because there's no reason why they shouldn't be writing this. Well, stuff. there's there's quote unquote smarter people, you know, in the in the movie. In the oh, movie yeah, yeah, business, I forgot. You know yeah. What I'm <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> you kind of bring up a good point about the wasting the death of superman and batman v superman because really you could have laid out exactly what i laid out with oh my god it's paul dini he was he was big on that too bruce okay. Tim and paul dini why is paul dini not writing stuff is beyond well me. sometimes wrote, it's he had sometimes, the big idea for the arkham series too remember dude he was the one who did that they commissioned him yeah. to do it well let's sometimes though that doesn't translate i mean think about like dave True. filoni right now like and i don't want to jump into the star wars universe because i, I have a point here about the dc yeah, stuff yeah. but you know like it, it doesn't always work you know uh could it have it could have been a good experiment to try but legitimately if you had thought out what you wanted to do with the justice league and looked at some <laughs> of the big storylines in the dc universe be like we right. need to work up to the justice league we established man of steel you know batman v superman was fine wonder woman Batman movie, Man of Steel 2, and now you come into Justice League. What could you have done um, in in Justice League? You could have then started the Death of Superman storyline. You could have introduced Doomsday. You could have start going through all of the superheroes that you had just established and then have the opportunity to bring new superheroes. And at the very end, you keep Superman out of that movie until the very end. When he shows up, 
to face off with Doomsday and you mm-hmm. leave it on a cliffhanger. Then Justice League 2 comes out and you have the entire movie based around, you know, the fight and the death of Superman. Mm-hmm. And then Justice League 3, you could have wrapped up with a trilogy would have been the return of Superman. You could have done that whole story arc and really given it justice instead of just trying to shoehorn it into the last 20 minutes of, you know, basically threw away the entire story arc in the last mm-hmm. 20 minutes of Batman v Superman. But you could have had an opportunity to do it do it very good you could have done it correctly and given it the the time it deserved because that was one of the best story arcs in in the 90s dc history was the death of superman storyline and it involved the justice league you know like so it it, it could have been done like that you know you, you absolutely they're, could have done that made, this week awesome. coming up they're doing the return of superman that dead superman anniversary it's not like the actual death it's more like when he comes back and he's got the suit that met the the long mm. hair the beard the rugged look he's got going out the cyborg superman it's coming yeah, out this week cool. actually and, and i think it's dc even the uh it's happening with uh death in the family too they're going to do a rendition of death in the family where it's like how would it have played out if viewers didn't vote for jason Todd to die and i'm like okay so they yeah. know an idea of what people want, but they don't put it out. Same with comic books, like you mentioned earlier. You have all these titles come out every week. All this stuff. Not even just Marvel and DC. There's a lot of stuff coming out. Yeah. Not not just Marvel and DC. I'm talking about, I'm talking about IDW, Dark Horse, Image. Do these people really know who's reading their shit? Because you, do you see no. when Image posts about their new stuff coming up? The uninterest in it yeah, and the tweets and the likes? No one gives a shit. That's why I told indie artists too. Because I know someone mentioned me. Man, I would love this. Like Image or Dark Horse picked me up. They're no better because they yeah, don't like get at this traction point, on why? their social media. Well, the thing is, if they don't even get traction on their own products that they're putting out because they can't promote them because they're bad at it, you, you're it's literally no better than being with them or without them. They're you're basically in the same boat at that point, you know? Yeah. Because yep. they can't help you because they can really get imp- <laughs> interest on their own shit right now that no one's caring about. Like, what well, the hell? That's why I mean, honestly, it's for independent creators, it's a great time right now because mm-hmm. more more so than anything with crowdfunding and being able to advertise on social media and YouTube, mm-hmm. you don't need to go through the big names anymore, even the big independent names. Because back in the day, yeah, the image eye to put that on a book was awesome. It was right. just kind of it was something cool because image was image had a, a mystique to it. it, had a very like cool, edgy mystique to it. And they they completely ruined that. In the 2000s, they they mm-hmm. took that mystique and flushed it right down the toilet, and now it's just kind of it, it, it's a lesser version of itself. Like nobody gives a shit when nobody's even ca- keeping a track of what image books are coming out besides Spawn, besides the Spawn books. You know, like, oh, that's and, basically and Mark, it. I, yeah, Mark Miller's new series. Yeah, Mark see, Miller I don't even World. know. I don't even yeah. know about that. Big you game. Know, like, <laughs> yeah, see, like I don't even know about that stuff. It's, it's literally to me, the Spawn is the only thing really carrying the image. Even though there's other books out there, it's just mm-hmm. like popularized. That's the only thing that, that generates any kind of interest right now. It's true. Yeah. You know, and it, it that never used to be the case. It used to be very exciting when a new image book was coming gonna come out because you always knew image was gonna have edgy new characters with awesome art. That's what the you knew about art image. on their new stuff looks like shit. I don't know who's writing for these people. It looks but that art looks yeah. terrible. I thought Marvel yeah. DC stuff looked bad. I was taking a look at image and dark horse's new stuff coming out. I was like, this looks I wouldn't spend not five dollars for that. I wouldn't spend three nickels for that. That <laughs> looks like shit. You yeah, know, it's like and, I, and I that's, that, that's a whole too, man. Yeah, you know, they, they, they can only sell Sonic. They can only sell TMNT. Outside of that, nothing of theirs gets go. traction. Even my yeah. little pony doesn't get traction. That's terrible. That's how you know the industry's <laughs> dog shit. My little pony it's number just, one can't even get traction. That's terrible. <laughs> it just goes into a whole different conversation there about like uh, when you get into art. 
you know, the art form of comic books had been lost, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, like comics are still about the art. There's still art involved, but mm-hmm. what comic books are s- supposed to be, you know, the, the, the sequential story, the art of mm-hmm. telling a story sequentially is being lost. You know, like the art is blah. It doesn't do a lot to excite you. It doesn't do a lot to really move you through the pages, you know, it, along with the story and the stories are garbage as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's the state of our comic book uh, industry right now. Uh, once they started prioritizing the writing over the the art, mm-hmm. which they did in like the late '90s, early 2000s, when they took when the writers took it back from the artists, mm-hmm. and the artists were kings in the '90s. The artists mm-hmm. were absolutely kings in the '90s. The writers took it back and have never given it back. The artists have never been able to take it back again, and that has been a detriment because although you can have some really fantastic writers, you have to have good art to go along with it. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a pocket of people out there. that are just going to read the books because they like the stories and art is neither here nor there to them. But the majority of people want to see a good story uh, matched up with really cool art. And you don't get that anymore. A handful of artists out there doing their thing, you know, and kudos to them for still, for still putting out some awesome work and then mm-hmm. kicking ass in the industry. But the majority of people out there, you're paying for cheap, fast art and that's what it is cheap fast art boring art colors look flat no real mm-hmm. dynamics you know and then so many issues again all the politics I, yeah. being infused into because the books i had an episode with a uh, jaded and we talked about so much about the industry's issues another big one i think a lot of people don't bring up that i'll bring up in this episode the same as his is i think people really downplay how much interest is in something and when you want to seek it out because people will go well there's not enough reach for me. I don't have it. I literally didn't grow up, as I told you on the original episode that got, you know, we had the retcon it. I told you before, I didn't have a shop growing up. I got right. comic books from like newspaper, like Spider-Man stuff, newspaper. I had to basically read about these characters on the internet, at school, or on my phone when I got home. That's how I was that invested. So when I hear people say they can't get into the characters because they don't have a comic shop around you, I'm like, dude, you can go on your phone and re- I don't care if you gotta go to wiki pages. You yeah, can, there's so much you can do. And like, I, I don't say read digitally because I think it's bad. But hey, if that's the only way you can get to these characters and read about them. Do that. There's apps now where you can download uh, the Marvel and DC apps and read the books. The ba- the back issue, not not that horseshit now, but the back stuff. So I, I don't like. I, Mark Miller brought this up yesterday on Twitter. There is no reason why you can't get into it. It's literally yeah. because you don't want to. I hate like I, you know you have kids. You know when you're at the store, they, they see them. They see like a candy bar. They're like, Dad, I'm gonna bring you already. Can you give me this? We right. even kid, kids do that a lot. But like, hey, I really want something. I want to go. I'm gonna, yep. The interest is there, and you'll get it. So when I hear people saying, "Oh, I I just can't get to this," that's such a crock of shit. Honestly, well, I mean, a lot of it too is like there's no there's no reason for anybody to get into it. The industry True. isn't giving anything to bring people into it because all all that is surrounded in is the the political narratives and the social economical you know narration that they're doing in all the all the books right now mm-hmm. you're not giving anything to bring the old readers back you've already alienated most of all the old readers who have either just decided to stop collecting or mm-hmm. move into the indies or something um so you're not bringing them back and you're not really establishing new readers that are sticking around to actually become brand new collectors uh, and for some reason, they keep on trying to do this failed formula. And one, they're doing it because the companies don't need to make money. They're owned by bigger corporations. Mm-hmm. It's not important anymore to the comic book 
make money. So they can go in there and now they can do all their, pitch, their Netflix pitches or they can do their political narratives and their mm-hmm. social justice, you know, infusing of, of BS and get away with it. And sales can come back and it doesn't affect them because they're like, whatever, comics aren't important to the bottom line of this overall company. It's just keeping our IPs alive so we can take that IP and, you know, try to make money in the movies with it or merchandise, toys, mm-hmm. T-shirts, you know, all the, you know, because that's, that's still a big industry. It doesn't matter if the comic book industry is failing. You go into the merch industry and you get a shirt with Batman, Superman on it, Spider-Man. It's selling. You know, it's going to sell and it's going to that, make that, That's money. where you mentioned earlier, Tom McFarlane. That's where he 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 learned. Yeah. It's like I tell people, why is that the most well-known people you do here in comic books don't still do them? Or when they do do them, it's literally just a... Like, Mark Miller doesn't have to do comic books now. He's a Netflix executive. He greenlights shows for Netflix. You know, Scott Snyder has got money. Tom McFarlane has money. Jeff Johns literally has money. And Jeff Johns yeah. doesn't write books as much anymore. He did a few titles for, like, JSA. But he's mo- he was mostly working on DC's entertainment industry. Most of yeah. these guys realized that the, the, the writing's on the wall. I'm using this right now as a stepping stone to get to the other part because I, and I, I do agree. They probably still like the medium, but they realize there's no money there. There's just no money. Like why keep doing it, this? If there's no money to be made, because they don't increase their price margins, your book, the one you're going to charge, you're not charging $5 for that. That's why I don't understand what, what people do. They're just fundamentally retarded. Why are people charge $5 for a comic book when there's so many names are on this book, producers, writers, editors, all this stuff. And they're trying to eat off this $5 book. Harry Potter books don't sell that much. Star Wars books never sold that much. Chronicles of Narnia's no. book never sold that much. Most big name title books you've read that went to like bigger franchises, those books never sold for $5 because those creators realize, hey, if they're $5, I'm making no money. I don't understand why Marvel and DC, after all those many years, even when you were growing up, why did I realize, why are we charging $5 for this? And then you have people See, that'll be like, they have to be $5. No, they do not. Because if they're $5 like that, you are making no money. I'm just, you know, if if the industry was healthy, Mm -hmm. like it was in the nineties, you can sell books for $2 a pop because people were buying shit ton of books. They're buying millions of copies of books. They're they're just, well, people that might not be, but shops are, you know, shops were healthy. You know, books are going out. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that's, that is making the creators lots of money. You know, and there was a demand. There was a demand for comics in the 90s. It, it, it hit this, the zeitgeist and it, it went into the pop culture and people did. It was a very healthy okay. industry at the time uh, because you basically you had the formula back then. You gave people escapism, cool characters, okay. dynamic art. Right. And then you decided to throw that away for whatever reason, you know, and now you have uh, an industry that's barely what pushing like mm-hmm. 16,000, 20,000, maybe 30,000 copies on mm-hmm. popular titles, you know, and expecting yeah. that to make any kind of money. It's not. Mm-hmm. And so now you drive all the big names away because they're not making money anymore unless they're doing their own thing or they're a legendary name, which no matter what they do, they're probably going to get a guaranteed contract. So it doesn't matter about the sales of their books, um, like Sylvester or, or Leifeld or something. You know, they probably got a guaranteed contract to do what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. They've established it. They deserve it you know, so they can come in and do whatever. But Ooh. most of the big names went mm-hmm. to other industries. Gaming. Je- yeah, Jeff Johns boards. announced this week, they announced he's at Image coming up soon. You know, the bigger names are like, hey, the big tour is not where I want to be at right now. They're, yeah, yeah. I think, you got, what's yeah. that called? What's that company called now? It's, uh, I know they're with Image, but they're, they're being published Skybound? by Image. No, it's, what's it called? 
it okay so this was an interesting thing like somebody was when they announced this mm-hmm. as their new company whatever it was called right. and then it has some really good names attached to it. i'm very excited mm-hmm. about it i think it, it has potential to be kind of cool mm-hmm. um but then i started seeing people having backlash to it because it was image was producing it now i'm just like all right guys just a little history lesson <laughs> when when image comics started malibu comics was for the first year producing image comics why did they do that because they had the structure already in place mm-hmm. you know and so image comics could come in and they could learn the business all the creators could come in and put their books out learn the right. business and have the backing of an experience regardless if it was big or not but an experience you know business behind them promoting their books publishing their books mm-hmm. getting it out there that's exactly what's happening now with this new company in image image is going to be there to publish and push their books out and hopefully if they're smart in a year or so, if this thing takes off and is sustainable, they will break away and become just their company without having the image you know, backing on them. And if they are smart, the only way, place you're going to see that image eye is on the inside cover of the comic book down at the bottom. That's it. And the front of their comics, it should be yeah. their branding. And mm-hmm. that's all it should be. So we'll see if they do mm-hmm. it that way or not. You know what's weird, dude? Is by the stories that people tell me about Image, and I had to go and look this up myself. Image was that comic skate thing. It's a bunch of yeah, artists yeah. that went like, you know what? We want to go do our own thing away from these guys because they have too much control over what we're doing. Mm-hmm. My brain can't wrap around this concept when I try to tell people how can people do that back then? That not get looked at as a bad thing, but if you do this now, it's a bad thing. When to get people from Image that was literally their thing. People are dis. <laughs> I hate well, people so much, man. The I thing about the it. thing about Image Comics is one: <laughs> the world wasn't as politically divisive also true, back yeah. in the '90s as it is now. Mm-hmm. There was quite a bit of backlash for those guys leaving Marvel. I mean, in the industry, I imagine there was. Yeah, I mean people people dogged them. They looked at them as you know just scabs. That's what we yeah, call you know, yeah, yeah. It was it was bad. But those yeah. guys had the talent and they had the following, and that was a big thing. Like they had millions of people that loved their art and was going to go see or pick up anything that they drew. Mm-hmm. So when they left and formed their own company, they knew that they're going to take all those people with them. It was one of the reasons why, too, they got such a big backlash from the rest of the industry mm-hmm. and why image artists and people from image had a hard time integrating back into the industry when image comics started to do its downslide. Even guys like Dan Frega had a hard time getting into Marvel because he was labeled as an extreme studios guy. You know, and it was almost he was like looked down upon. And that's when I say that the writers took back the power from the artists during that time is absolutely what happened. And they never wanted to have another image happen where the artist became king again and had such a a following behind them that they could just abandon everybody and do their own thing. Systematically, since then, uh, the art and comic books has been killed to a point where it is today. But anyway, going back to image comics, they had backlash back then. The problem was or the, 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 the positive thing was is they were they had a following and they were absolute kings so yeah it was a bold move what they did and they gave a middle finger to the industry and they went and did their own own thing and they they completely changed the face of comic books for the better in my opinion for the rest of the rest of history comics gate is kind of that way in a in a lesser form like you didn't have the the best artists in the industry leaving and forming comics gate a company and doing their own thing Right. This was more of like a fan movement that came up and then kind of swallowed up big names like Ethan Van Skyver and John Malin and Dan Fragan and, and Dale Keown. Yeah. You boys, you know, the, yeah. it kind of pulled those those guys into this atmosphere of Comicsgate. But what it did 
is it gave a really big push to the indie creators to come in almost like image Mm -hmm. but instead of being under a banner of a comic book company like a cg comic book company (laughs) it was just basically this movement come into this movement and now you have a place where you can bring your book and your idea you don't have to be an established guy you know and that's the big thing that's what comics gate opened up the door for you don't have to be an established person if you are talented and you you have the work ethic Mm -hmm. uh to put something good together you have a space to come now in the cg umbrella if that's what you want to call it and have a chance to present your product and be successful and i think that's that's the closest to image that anyone has gotten since the 90s in this industry so it's a different version you know yeah I, 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 I saw it was very similar. Very similar. Yeah, yeah. The difference with this opinion. one, as you mentioned, is there's no corporate overhead that'll eventually be in this thing. So with the ironies right and now, too. The, and the backlash is even worse because now we live in a very politically divisive time where yeah. now people can just label racist and you know, whatever <laughs> on you. Everybody's a Nazi now you know, because you're whatever. So that that's another thing that really kind of is, is the difference. That the backlash is greater than yeah. the image got in a completely different situation. So you know, there's give and take to it, but I do believe that, you know, CG is one of the best, if when you get past the narratives and people can actually break down the narrative and just get into the, the CG community, whatever you want to call it, you will realize that it's a really good fan base, loyal backers that want to come out and help CG guys. And it's a good place to get your book out. If you want to tell a story, you want to live your dream, come here, crowdfund your book, get it out, do what you can keep on getting better and better. And then eventually take your product and try to put it into a store and do it yourself, be your own mm-hmm. boss. And you, yeah, you have no overlords over you directing you what to do, telling you what you can and cannot do. It's it's the ultimate freedom uh, in CG, in my opinion. Someone will say it's the last free nation. Mm. <laughs> there you go. I wanted to mention this as well. These are these two important things. So uh, people forget, I already met Joe before and, and Kayla. Sean, yeah. I Sean on actually first when I do my, my this this podcast, right? This one, and yeah. Sean yeah. in his campaign for type one actually has a variant cover of your oh. face on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't believe eventually there might be people out there that are gonna read a comic book with your face on it. And that's and it's, <laughs> it's it's the funniest thing because it started out as a joke. Because I'm I'm doing an actual cover for his book, type one, <laughs> Sean Aaron's book, type one, live on Indiegogo right now. Don't be a bum, back type one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got an actual uh cover I'm gonna draw, but I've been busy trying to wrap up Reaper Destroyer. Mm-hmm. That once the book's done, then I'll get it done. You can actually get it up on the campaign. So what they mm-hmm. did is they wanted to advertise and be able to have people be able to back my cover, even though it's not drawn yet. So Mark Poulton, who is the editor on Type One and the guy that's helping mm-hmm. run Sean's campaign, just threw a picture of me up there as a joke, you know, because most of the people that follow us they know who i am so it's just like hey yeah. here's a joke you know the, the sontag cover is coming he took a picture of me threw it up there it became such a running joke that there are now legitimately people that want a version of that cover <laughs> with just my face that says type one on it as an actual cover so you're gonna get a cover for me that's actually drawn and badass look and i guarantee it go back it you know <laughs> But you're also going to get a gimmicky cover of. Could you of imagine? That, There's that, people that are going to back face, that, so. and then when they open the product, it's not going to be Type One Sean's character. It's going to be just your it's face. A Sontag variant. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to PSA I mean, they, grade he, that, and we're going to put it on eBay and see how much it goes for. He, <laughs> he's going to give people. I mean, he's going to 
that's good. He's gonna make sure people get what they want. Like if you want the drawn cover, you're gonna get it. But if you want yeah. the gimmicky cover, you know, he's gonna figure out a way to get because there have been a handful of people who are like, you gotta make that a cover. And I'm just like, I saw oh, that and I was dude. like, do what you want to do. Like I think idea. it's funny, you know. So you've known the joke for, for a long time. Yeah, um, yeah. And he mentioned this to me in our, our one-on-one that I had on when I had him on a while ago, which was you guys will be able to give each other criticism about your uh story, your characters, writing, all that stuff. And then not be this like, hey, now I'm not your friend anymore. Uh, Instaphobe, uh, unblock, you know. And people don't understand. <laughs> that's how people function. Whatever media yeah. is telling you is lies. People normally function like that, where you can have disagreements with be close friends, and it's all good at the end of the day because you just, yeah. just want to see each other succeed. You know. I mean, and Kayla gives us feedback on on the books as well. And, and she's you know, a girl, right? Because I was like, she ever said that beat me up. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> And sometimes, you know, and sometimes, you know, you don't want to hear some of the stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and, and granted, it's different because we're all really close friends. And mm-hmm. um, honestly, the stories are good, you know, so I mean, a lot of the feedback you're getting is just kind of like, hey, you know, like, what do you think about this? Like, oh, I like it. But what if you did this kind of thing? Or, you know, just kind of a second opinion on stuff. Or sometimes Sean will send me art and I'll look at it and be like, hey, you know, how's this looking? And I'll give him some feedback on it and i'll send him something he'll give me feedback and i'll send you know kayla some you know my script and she'll give me feedback because she's a writer and an editor you know so that kind of those help but in general though i mean even if we were showing our stuff to complete strangers and they were giving us feedback one thing i like to tell everybody is you're gonna get what you consider negative feedback sometimes mm-hmm. um but all feedback is is good to listen to uh, so have thick skin. You know, we, our comics are our babies, right? We're emotionally attached to it because we know the story. We know what we're trying to do. And then when somebody comes back and tells us our kid's not, our kid's ugly, essentially, and that they should do their hair different to look better, the first reaction is always a natural reaction where you're going to kind of be like, well, fuck you then. That's fine to have that reaction, but keep it to yourself and let your emotion, you know, subside for a second and then listen to what they said. And is the the criticism or the feedback that you get valid? One thing you have to determine. You take your ego out of it. Is it valid? Does it make sense? Once your emotions kind of subside, is what that person is saying, does that make actual sense? And if it does, listen to it. Then try to figure out how to incorporate that going forward. Be like, okay, that bruised my ego and it sucks, but they have a point. I hate the fact that they have a point, but they have a point. So let's take that and make the books better. Um, that, that's something that I, I tackled on my my other show, which is uh, I'm pretty sure you you would know about this too. You know when people back even people that are, that are backers. So I'm not saying this is bad about fans, but this is something that fans could do to make it better. Which is when you back the book and you genuinely want to give money to your creators, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Read the stories and actually say if you liked or you don't like them. Because either way, because oh, yeah. you're gonna have people who just like you for you and they're gonna buy it. And that's a pre. That's fine. That's gonna be yeah. That's every, absolutely that's, fine too. That's you know. every fandom ever. There's gonna be people that just like you so much to just buy your shit. Mm-hmm. The thing that that um I might I mentioned last week, and I'll mention this here too, it's a very pivotal thing to how all this movement grows. People need to actually read the books and actually tell you why you didn't why you may or may not like them, because that's where actual growth is. You know, you men, men mentioned earlier back in the comic books and stuff like that. Well, the reason why there's these legendary stories get told to us to read is because well, word of mouth was so good and people kept reading them because they were so good. Who just could not just help but 
talk about them. Talk about yeah. like Killing Joke, Watchmen, Kingdom Come, all these amazing stories that came out, Death of Superman, all that stuff, right? Yeah. I feel like the fans don't do that enough. They'll back in, they'll back the books, they'll get them probably, but more so they do, but they're not reading them. No one talks about the stories. Everyone focus everyone's focused on like whatever random drama's going on. This is something that the, I think the fans should do. People well, can't and, improve unless the stories, like you said, get, get talked about and criticized so they can make them better. That's that's really the only thing that fans can do, in my opinion. And, that's it. And that's that's double-edged sword because mm-hmm. that is a good thing. And again, this this all comes back to being a creator and, and listening, mm-hmm. having discernment on what well, you critiques. disagree with me? Oh, I'm good. Disagreement. <laughs> Fuck. Exactly. He's out. He's gone. <laughs> Disagree. Have, I can't have that. Have here. discernment mm-hmm. on what is good feedback and what isn't feedback. Mm-hmm. Because there could just be somebody that's like, I just don't like the story in general, or I don't like the art in general. That's not good feedback. That's not saying like, hey, yeah, that's not worth you know, anything. Yeah. Right. It's not worth anything. So you can just say that, like, all right, appreciate it. Thanks for buying the book. You know, hopefully you come back to the second one. Mm-hmm. And if someone comes back and says, Hey, I really enjoyed this the the story, I enjoyed the book. I think the story could be better. I think you could write a little bit better. I think you need to make this a little clearer. You know, this was kind of confusing on where you're going with this character or, you know, I kind of got lost at this point in the story. That's good criticism because you can be like, all right, whatever I did there, I need to fix. And if that person actually has uh, solutions and that's the thing too, like anybody can just be like, oh, the art wasn't that great. I was a little disappointed in the story. And then boom, that's it. If someone was actually be like, you know, what you could do better you know, in this point is A, B, and C, then you can look at that and be like, okay, now I have your corrective criticism and I have a solution given by the same person. Now I'm going to use my discernment. Is that worth my time to actually look into and accept? If it is, use that to better your book, you know? And then on the, because that's, a, that's the thing. It's just because you're going to get negative feedback from some people or, you know, criticism, so to speak, on your first in your first book doesn't mean those people are not going to buy your second book you know because a lot of people that give feedback want to want to buy the second book because they want to see if you've improved especially if they genuinely like the book you can like the book and say like hey this is a really good book i have some problems with it you know just like you watch a movie you're like hey that was a really good movie this kind of sucked but i just don't think you don't like yeah right you know Mm -hmm. and so that doesn't mean those people are are trying to hurt your business or they're or they're trying to drive people away from it what they're trying to do is actually make it better because legitimately they might be like hey this is this is a cool concept you have something here fix these things going forward because it's going to be better because you can do better take that go out issue two drops make it a better book and then show that improvement if you show that improvement then those very same people are going to come back and be like hey this was much better i'm digging it you know keep it up or they'll be like, you know, hey, here's some more helpful criticism. Everything's going to make you better as a creator. We aren't professionals. A lot of us are venturing into this for the very first time. We have not had the luxury of being in the industry and learning under uh, seasoned veterans that can come in and you know give us the pointers and help us through as we are coming up the ranks. So feedback right. from fans are great if it's good feedback and, and you're, you're helping us along. You know, yeah. again. Don't listen to the B. There's going to be people all the time that's going to be like, oh, this this book made $100,000. I got it. It was horrible. The art was bad. The story yeah. was bad. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. No positive you know, reinforcement at all to tell you where to go. And that's just mm-hmm. negative stuff. Be like, okay, whatever. That's fine. Don't yeah. worry about it. Because that's the only thing that Water I think fans that. can do. Because all a fan can really do is just basically get the product, read it, and say what they did or did not like about it. That's it. Creators – their job is to just deliver a product, obviously. And the thing here, like, so I'll ask you this. 
I'll phrase it this way. What do you think also hinders like the Iron Age? Because people would probably consider you part of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I didn't hear about like the Iron Age until earlier this year, but I really like the concept. You know, it's new age. Of, you like it? Got yeah, a new age of, ring to of it. comics that we're entering into. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're coming out of the last age and going comics into the Iron old. Age. It's now. about the new boys in town now. Yeah, you Iron know, Age. <laughs> it's just got a cool name, too. You know, Iron yeah. Age. Um, what was the question, though? I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> what do you think is hindering the Iron Age amongst all the things that are eventually going to have to get addressed eventually for, for years to come? Quality. Is the biggest as far thing. as books or story pitches, everything in general. Um, okay. The you're going to weed out the best because there, there's so many there's so many people right now. Again, like I said, it's a good time for you to be an independent creator and come into this atmosphere, put a book out, and try to do your thing. With that being said, you're going to have levels of you know bad, good, you know excellent. It's always a hierarchy. Whatever. It's a hierarchy, it you know. Yeah. It's it's capitalism. You know, you're going to put out something. Is it going to get get the people? Uh, I've always said that if you are going to come into this atmosphere and put a book out, so essentially, which what we're trying to do in Comicsgate, Iron Age, whatever independent mm-hmm. comic books, because the mainstream industry is messed up so bad. There's a lot of disingenuous. What's the word? Disingenuous. No, like a let's degenerate disenfranchised there it is oh geez also works disenfranchised <laughs> readers out there they're looking for something good so if you're going to give them something good say you got the greatest concept in the world blah 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 uh don't screw that up by putting a half-ass effort into it mm-hmm. you know produce a quality book and that means quality writing uh, storytelling quality character design quality art and quality physical aspects of your book do everything you can to make that book look as professional as possible because you're going to attract those readers that expect to see the the professional quality on the comic book shelves that they go into every week or month yeah. to get those books. If they buy a book, they take a chance on you. They expect to see that professional quality in your book. Yeah. So the biggest hindrance is people that don't understand that or don't get the concept that we're not just making books to put books out. Don't just put a story out there and, and then get a amateur looking artist to do your book because it's cheap, you know, and then put out a lesser book because people are going to see that and they're instantly going to step right over you because you're not up to this bar. And I'm not saying you're going to reach that bar right off the bat, but give them something that at least gets oh, gaps that bridge. You brought that up. Bridges there that is gap. a bar here. People understand, uh, like th- without a corporation or what they, they were putting out back in the day, like you mentioned, Fans amongst wildly crazy opinions they'll have about, about the stuff came to a general consensus on what is considered good. So yeah. that would have to happen for this people for this kind of like movement or whatever, as you would say, the Iron Age. I don't I know people are kind of like when I brought they're like, wait, wait, what? That happens. People genuinely yeah. come to a consensus of like random people you've never met, a general consensus that this is good. Like look at Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. People consider those the best trilogies ever of all time. Well, that came from a lot of people talking about it. Because it was that right. good. That has to happen, like you said, for this. There's going to be – it will come eventually. Maybe not now. Maybe not five years from now. Maybe ten years from now. It'll come to a general consensus of what was considered really good and what is considered pretty bad. That might hurt a lot of people's if, feelings, but that's how it always happens. If you, know? you look at the crowdfunding aspect of what we do, and that's kind of what mm-hmm. the Iron Age CG mm-hmm. independent comics right now is mm-hmm. big into the crowdfunding because that's how you can get your books out. If you if you want to get people to back your book, put money into you, make make some big money, you know, 
then put out a book that is going to make people say, wow, that is cool. I need to check it out. If you don't do that, don't expect your campaign to do well. And then don't bitch about it. There's a lot of people that come into Comics Gate and think just because it's Comics Gate and you you fly the flag and you're saying all the right things that people are going to go out and, and drop a lot of money on you no matter what you put out. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. You still have to put out a quality book. If you look at the top dogs in Comics Gate, you got Ethan Van Skyver, John Malin, Shane Davis, um, you know, Dan Frager, Summers, right? Mandy Summers is, is putting out quality stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you look at the big names in, in Comics Gate, uh, Rini, Rini draws, Rini draws uh, really good. Krasowski, yeah, I can never pronounce her last name. You look at those books, those are professional looking books. You know, you, you don't look at those books and say, like, oh, it's amateur or it's independent. It's professional looking books. The art is professionally done. So visually, you see those books and you're like, yeah, this is something I want to buy. So if you are not on that level as a creator, then get to that level because that's the only way you're going to generate any kind of sales or excitement. And then the second part is that promote the hell out of yourself. Nobody else is going to do it for you. You have to do it. You get on shows like this. You create your own show. You go wherever you can. You talk about your book. You show the book off. Yeah. You know, you get it in front of as many people as, as can see it. And when you have that quality with you, you're going to get people to sign up for your your pre campaign. You're going to get people to come out and back the book. You know, you're going to get some hype generated. So don't don't just put out a lesser product when you see the bar. So that's the bar. The bar has been set by like those at top echelon people. That is the bar. Do whatever you can to get as close to that bar as possible. And then keep on working once you get there, and you're you're, you're going to have success. You know, might also, be slow. Like, like you got to build it. You're going to have success. Also, like you mentioned before, people got to understand with so many people competing, like you mentioned in your previous point, there's mm-hmm. a very good chance you don't get funded. I don't get why people don't understand yeah. that as a concept. That's what not just saturation. That's just competition. Not everything competition. you do or your pitch is going to be the next big thing. It just won't, and it no one's will. Honestly, that's not just not how this works. You're more likely going to be like a rule rather than an exception. But that's the thing, though. There's nothing wrong with being a rule, but being a good rule part of the scope you're in. You know, there's a lot of superheroes out there for many of the major players where they have, they have an audience. It's not the biggest audience, but it's massive for what it is. That's there's, good, too. It also depends on a lot. Your IP. Do you yeah. have an attractive IP? Do you have something that sticks mm-hmm. in people's minds? Do you have a cool character design that 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 resonates with the people? genre you're in? Complain. The that genre as well. is a big thing. I mean, look at Cyberfrog. Cyberfrog is a very iconic look. You know, when you just see it, you look at that, you can tell that it's something special. You know, if you if you have something like that, you're going to have a better chance of of having mm-hmm. success right out of the gate, or at least being able to sustain success. Uh, there's a lot of factors that go into it. It's not one just kind of easy thing. It's not just like, hey, I'm a creator. I got an idea. I'm going to go to Comics Gate. I'm going to put a book out, and then we're off to the races. You know, it, it's it's not that at all. I mean, I've seen some actually very awesome looking books that are struggling in their campaign as well. And yeah. then you got you're like, well, what's the issue? Well, the issue could be, are you promoting yourself enough? Do people know who you are? Because here's the thing, I have my own show. I stream twice a week. Um, and then I'm on other people's shows like this, you know, just guesting, hanging out. I try to get people to know who I am. And when people know who you are, if you have a regular following, people come into the chats, they know, you know, they know what you're about. They know your, your personality besides just your book, you're going to get a handful of people or maybe even a good pocket of people. They're going to back you just because you're, you're a cool dude to them. They like you. They want to see you succeed. 
um, that's an element of of selling. You know, you got to get to that element because that's going to bring in more backers. And then let's just say someone's like, hey, I like this guy. He's cool. He's got a book out. It looks pretty good. I'm going to buy it. You get it. You read it. You actually really dig it. And you're like, dude, like, I actually love this book. I'm coming back for the next book, not just because I like you, but because this book is actually good. So it's a good way to also to get new backers. So like there's so many, so many different elements of selling within this, this pocket of, you know, the independent comic book scene, quality products, make sure you can sell yourself as well as your IP, make sure you have an attractive IP, you know, and do what you can work your ass off. Don't sit here and wait for people wait for it to come to you don't just hey, say like hey i have the story of you know whatever <laughs> you know here's another thing too and this is not directed to any any creators like i support all the creators out there i have lots of creators that come on the show mm-hmm. but if you just sit here and you have a concept that it might not be appealing to people as much as you want to don't put it out don't make a story out of it. Don't put invest the money to make a book if you have a story or a character or a concept that is not going to resonate with the the genre that's out there. Uh-huh. Find a genre, find a way to fit into it. You know, like my genre is very much the you know sci-fi action adventure horror old school kind of image kind of feel. Like I'm the disenfranchised readers that don't get that kind of image style art characters anymore are absolutely what I'm what I'm um marketing yeah to, your you know? art for whoever you commissioned to be to do your art or i personally you didn't get it yourself because you yeah, didn't the, artist, yeah yeah so the and that's the thing really realize how do how you got to your style is honing it in doing oh, it absolutely. over and over again like there is and i, I because I, I, I as you know i, I celebrated our eight-year consecration anniversary and i told people when i first started i was really bad at this over time you just develop and oh, you yeah, don't gain a yeah. following by just kind of sitting there going, well, you know what? I kind of deserve more followers, even though I'm actually terrible at this. Why are they not coming? That doesn't do you any good. You need to actually just keep improving. Yeah. And if well, people yeah. don't come and, at that moment, that doesn't mean they're not going to come eventually. People are saying you hit your stride maybe many years into doing what you're doing. There's no it, window guarantee for this. That's not how that works. And that yeah. raises a good point, too, for creators out there. Um, mm-hmm. When I say about quality have the best quality you can. Like if you are an artist and you enjoy drawing and you want to put mm-hmm. something out there, but your, your work is not on a professional level, um, have the ability to just kind of swallow your pride and say like, I need a better artist on this book mm-hmm. because it's a good concept. It's a cool character. And the weakest part of this book might be me. Um, and then find the strengths, go out and find the strengths. that's going to make your comic book the best. And then, and then put it out because if, if what you want to do is have success, then do that. There are two kinds of people in, in comics or in independence in general. And I say this all the time. People probably get that know me probably get tired of, of hearing it, <laughs> but you have the hobbyists <laughs> and you have the people that want to do it as a profession. Now the hobbyists, God bless them. I have no problem against them. Do what you can, but they're not going to put the kind of work in or the quality to make it everything it can be. <clears throat> they're going to be happy with having a campaign. That's a couple thousand dollars. They fund their, like, you know, maybe they have a $3,000 mark. They fund it. They put the book out. They put another book out and they keep on doing that. It's just a hobby for them. They want to have fun. Kudos. And then you're going to get the guys that want to do it for a living that are driven, you know, driven mad to, to achieve. And they're going to go out and they're going to put their best effort. They're going to make it as professional looking as possible. They're the ones that go and study the industry. They, they study how to tell a story, how to sequentially draw because there's an art to telling a story it's not just a bunch of panels on a page 
pictures in a book. There's a there's an art to way that comic books should store it should tell a story through the art in general. You know, you have to learn that stuff. You have to understand it. You have to do your study. And you're going to get out there and you're going to see that. When you see that book, you're going to see that those people put the time in. It might not be perfect, but you're going to see the remnants of that there and the potential. Those guys are going to have more success than the hobbyists. You know, so you can't go in and with a hobbyist mindset and then complain that people aren't really backing your book or supporting you because it's going to show. That's another thing I want to mention, which is people need to actually discern what are you doing this for or what is your yeah. initial upfront goal? Because that's why I told people, have like an, an initial upfront idea of what you of how much effort you want to put into it. Same with YouTube. I tell people, yeah. hey, people always ask me this. How do you do YouTube and this <clears> as much as you do? Well, initially, I was just kind of doing it like whatever. But then I realized, hey, I really enjoy doing it. So I just kept doing it and I wanted to keep improving. This is what yeah. I told people now for an updated mindset to have on that point, which is understand how much effort you want to put into it. If you just kind of want to do it casually, that's a fine approach to doing. You want to just randomly burn yourself out. Yeah, for sure. Then do that. But then but then if you do that approach, you need to not only understand, you cannot just be complaining when there's no like people watching your videos or getting traction because you're taking it casually though. Yeah. And your audience, however small it may be, may already know that. People now, can tell people can tell when you are generally into something, mm -hmm. like passionately into something. Yeah. And when you're just kind of, you know, Going through the motions. You're just yeah. doing it. Yeah. I spent 10 years in the music industry, the independent scene. Mm -hmm. I've been independent with everything I've done. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's the same thing. It's, it's very similar between the independent comic scene and the independent music scene. When I started, the, started my band back in my mid-20s, mm -hmm. I had a drive. It's what I wanted to do. And everything I, day and night, I thought about, like, how can I achieve what i want to do which is i want to get signed mm -hmm. i want to tour whatever whatever it was mm -hmm. and i came across the same concept i carried that into comic books but one of the guys i knew back in the day who was a guitarist for a band called mushroom head which is some people might know that band it's a, a bigger independent band they have masks kind of like slipknot but anyway he we were friends for a little while and he gave me some great advice and it was kind of a cocky advice but he he always told me he's like sonzag he's like if you want people to think you're a rock star, act like a rock star. And what I took that from was if you want people to see you as a professional band to take serious, mm -hmm. then present that to them. So one of the things we did that was different than a lot of independent bands or even local bands at the time, we worked on um, our a live, live show. How do we interact with the crowds? I did so much research of watching like the big bands. How do you entertain a live crowd? um from the stage you know how do you make them part of the show how do you you know attract them to want to come to the show because it's fun you know you interact with them you talk with them it's not just about the music you know you have to be able to relate to the crowd and get them excited as the front man i was the front man you have to have great music how do you have great music you go find the best talent you can find around you to make sure that you bring in the best musicians and produce and write the best kind of music you get it recorded the best you can. You get the best graphics you can figure out, the best merch. And then you go out there and you present yourself as a professional band, even if you're not. There are so many times where people, we would go to shows in small bars across the country and people would be like, where are you guys signed from? You know, I want to go check you guys out. And we'd just be like, we're not a signed band. We're just an independent band. But we presented ourselves in that way. That, and that's how we came off. And that's exactly what we wanted to do. And that's the exact reaction we got. And you know what? Next time we came through that town, those people came back and they brought all their friends because they're like, you have to see this band. They're awesome. 
you know. So it's the same thing. Present the most professional product you can, no matter what industry you're in, because that's what you're competing with. You're com- you know, you're never we're never going to compete with Marvel and DC. The numbers it's just not going to match up. But quality of product you can absolutely compete with. And when you present someone something to that or present that to people and put that in their hands, they're going to come back. They're going to buy your next issue. They're going to spread yeah. the you know, word of mouth is going to spread. They're going to be like, dude, you got to check out this book that I just yeah. got. And this is something I was thinking about today at work, which is like, you know what? I was I was going through the same thing similar myself. And I was looking at myself and thinking, I was like, you know what? I've just not been doing as much as I know I can. You know, people always say I'm doing a whole lot already, but I know I could put in more than what I'm already doing. You know, and yeah. that, that's something that I was just thinking about today. And I've been doing this since October of 2015, actually. You know, right. there's always different ways of honing your approach and going like, hey, if you want a better result, I'm not saying I need a better result, but I know to myself. It's something I tell myself constantly. It's like, I know I can do much better than this. I, know I can do much more. It's not saying what I'm putting out now is bad, but I, I can do more good things than what I'm doing right now. And it's like, right. well, and this is something that I tell people all the time, which is, if you the results you were talking about there, if you want like small town band results, you can get that probably a lot of absolutely. But if 100%. you want, hey, Lifehouse, big boy bands, you know, kind of results, you're gonna have to put in the work and effort to get that. You know, back because people ask me how how did I get as many subs as I did on my other channel, which was there were nights I wanted to go to bed and I did the video at twelve thirty my time mm. just yeah. to make sure I had it done so I could edit it so it could be up for people at six seven a.m. That's right. the kind of struggle. I'm not saying because struggle, it's because I actually enjoy doing it, but I told you that's the kind of sacrifices you make late nights when you're done with your podcast. You go and you know what? You you probably like, I'm gonna go and color this page because I know it's gonna be an extra hour. I'm gonna be awake, but it's gonna pay off, right? Those yeah. are the little small sacrifices that you do. You know, now when we're doing shows a good like word. This, you know, sac- like like you're doing shows like this to promote yourself. I literally got right. off work, first thing I did, come here, do this. You know, yeah, did yep. I want to rest? Yeah, I did. You know, but hey, <laughs> okay, I can rest when I'm dead. That's how I look at it, actually. Nothing you know? is easy. You know, mm-hmm. anything worth doing, you know, what's the what's the old uh, adage there? Anything worth fighting for is is hard or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, 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 that's absolutely true. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. The reason yeah. why you don't have a lot of people doing it because it's not easy. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of work. It takes sacrifice. It takes struggle. It takes failing and, and trying again. You know, it's, so not everybody has that attitude to want to go mm-hmm. through all those steps. You know, and then they'll tell you why you're X wrong or whatever, even though they're not doing it themselves. It, earlier today, someone said, well, your shows only get like 80 some odd views. And I'm like, wait a minute. So is there a number? You, Cause this person is not a contributor. So like, is there a number I should have for the shows? Cause I don't, cause I don't value my shows through a number on a screen, you know? Right. I just don't like whoever's watching now currently right now when this is live, that's great. If you watch in the replay, that's also great, but I, I don't measure my success on my shows or any video I've ever done through a number on a screen. I, I did before back in the day, like everyone else did. But I thought yeah. to myself, you know what? If I know I'm producing a good video, the number on screen doesn't matter. It really doesn't. You know, there are people there that enjoyed it and watched it. That's good enough. You know, more will come over time. And that comes with me also improving. You know, that would come over time as well. You know, so I, I don't get why people, it's the thing you brought up earlier with the backing and the whole campaigns. People are looking at numbers on a screen and not really understanding the full point of like, are you even putting out anything good to get to that big number you want? Because numbers on a screen, is that what people want us? Is numbers on a screen? 
I mean, if that's the case, then fuck, sell out as much as you want. Then that'll get that'll get you it. <laughs> I mean, it it all depends. I mean, here's the thing. So with my channel, I have a relatively small channel. I've got like mm-hmm. 1,900 subs. Where I would love to be up in like the 10k subs, 50k, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Like some of these channels are absolutely mm-hmm. huge. My channel is kind of a niche channel. We we talk a lot about comic books, so I'm, I don't have a wide range of stuff. I'm not fighting the right. culture war. I'm not doing a lot of drama. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing a lot of junk, drunk streams, yeah. Which are fun. There's a lot of people that do that and they do it well. It's just not yeah. that's not who I am. So it, it comes off kind of disingenuous for me to do mm-hmm. a stream like that because it's just not what I'm about. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand that stuff like that comes slowly. You got to keep continue to build. There was a point in time, like you were talking about, like I would look at the numbers or I'd look at the live views and I'd, I'd be disappointed when I didn't get such and such a view, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, you just have to think like, all right, what am I getting? We have uh, maybe 30, 40, sometimes 50, 60 people in our chat, depending on who else, else is streaming. That's right. relatively small compared to some of the other bigger channels mm-hmm. out there, but you have diehard people coming every show in the chat having fun you know and that's what it's all about that is growing your channel you know mm-hmm. when the diehards are there and then you start seeing new names pop in it might be growing slow mm-hmm. you know but that is growing the channel sometimes you just have to be patient just keep on doing what you're doing and be genuine about it you know mm-hmm. my channel is about comic books and comic book art and you know I might expand into some kind of conspiracy and, and supernatural talk because i've been getting into that with some other channels and really enjoying those kind of conversations mm-hmm. i might bring that onto my channel as well at some point but just do stuff that you like and be be genuine about it you know and you're going to get yeah. people to come and eventually yeah. it's going to it's going to it's going to um help with the numbers but here's the thing as a creator i have a small channel didn't have a big channel but i was able to put out a product with my book with reaper destroyer mm-hmm get enough excitement to generate it and to be on enough shows promoting myself and whatever that it didn't matter at the time that my channel only had like a thousand subs. You know, I still went in and launched a book on Michael Bancroft's channel, which was at the time like 5,000 subs. So it was bigger than me. I think he's at like 17 now or it's crazy. His channel's blown up, but it still was one of those, you know, we raised, uh, what was it? Like $18,000 in 40 minutes or something on his, on his channel. And so you don't have to have a big channel. You don't have to look at those numbers and be like, I've got, you know, all these people are going to come back my back my book. It's not necessarily about that. Again, it goes back to like who you are as a person, how do you promote yourself and do you have a quality book? Right. You know, it just kind of everything aligned at the right time for me. And we just had a, a, the buzz on that show was insane. Like I was so nervous going into that show because I didn't know if anybody was going to pack the book which was, you know, is just my own kind of worry because that's just what I worry about. But there was so much buzz. There was like over 200 people waiting in the chat before the show even went live. And there was just a buzz and excitement about people wanting to come out and back that book. And it went off and we funded in like seconds. Absolutely. I mean, we are, we had, I had a $5,000 stretch or a goal to fund. That's what I was looking to get. Yeah. And that funded like in, in minutes. It was insane. Like in minutes, we were already up. And it just, you saw the numbers just tick up. The backers tick up. Yeah, that's the way to do it. And will it happen that way the second time around? Probably not. It was just there was a right, right moment at the right time, advertising, promoting, getting excitement about your book and getting that into a fever pitch to your launch point and bringing that all together. And that led to a successful, successful campaign. I had a lot of people involved in that. There was a lot of people helping me, too. That's probably one thing I haven't talked enough about is reach out there to people that can help. Uh, promote your book, give you good ideas how to set up your campaign. 
there's a lot of good backers out there that has spent a lot of money on books and they know what they like in campaigns. They know what, you know, kind of tiers they like to back, you know, how do you do good combos to, to, you know, best attract people to buy this tier or that tier or whatever. I leaned on a, a group of people, you know, that helped me put the campaign together and helped me promote it. And every time I'd share something out, they'd take it, they'd share it. Ooh. You know, we get worth word of mouth going. And Oh, one of your dad supported you. Uh, LT Hobbit. Thank you for the dollar donation. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. We yeah. destroyer for the motherfucking win. Yeah. And I like that. See that, that is what I tell people is you were in the people would, would call you an exception to the rule. In this case, you would be the exception. It's very rare that I see people come on here and be in the show like this, that have the amount of backing you, you do in your first campaign. Most yeah. people that I've seen peak out of like five 5k which that's not nothing bad actually that's very good even for a campaign itself right you're sure, like 68 sure. something the highest person outside of you would be tyler tyler had 17k for one of his uh his books on look at that i brought on yeah. more people that have less than 5k of the backing than the people that are like you and tyler but obviously you're like like the double digits right but that's right. the thing is that's how this goes no one's gonna have a measure of how much you're gonna get success though and plus not everyone's gonna appeal to everybody you know it's like that's like you mentioned, like you mentioned earlier finding yourself not be honest yourself, people are just boring you know that's dude that that that's a big thing i mean <clears throat> i was i was talking to someone that was on our show not too long ago and just kind of giving advice mm -hmm. on just how to approach stuff because i thought they had a really good book i thought that it should mm -hmm. should have generated more money and i was mm -hmm. like look there is a big thing to crowdfunding that people don't pay attention to and that is the interaction the streaming you know you have to sell yourself it is some people just want to be like the book should sell itself and i don't i shouldn't have to do any work i put it out there people should back it because it's a good book i'm sorry that's not the way it works you know you might want it to work that way but it doesn't you have to get out there put yourself on screen let people see you let people hear you let people see what you're about sell yourself get people excited when you're on talking about your book you can talk about it people can see that you're passionate about your book you care about your book you're not just a, a name attached to the book you know sell yourself get people excited about who you are get them excited about your book through whatever you do whether you go on other people's channels or you stream yourself i highly recommend you stream yourself you create your own show even if it's a small channel build the shit channel up bring people to your channel from being in the chats be in chats, get out there as creators, get into the bigger chats, be in Bancroft's chats, be in EVS's chat, be in Mandy's chat, you know, Shane Davis, you know, get out there as much as you can. Make sure people see your name, you know, know who you are and let people know where they can find you. That's a huge thing to, to getting people to come out and, and actually buy the book. You know, it's not just the quality of the book. There's so many things, so many things that go together with, with actually selling and having success. Now, again, like I said, I could have been a shooting star when it came to my book. It might have just lined up the right way. People were excited. You know, I had the fortune of not going up against any other big campaigns on the time when I launched. So it was just the spotlight was on me. And maybe that doesn't line up the second time around. So, but do everything you can to try to achieve that. Now I'll, I'll do it again. You know, we'll see. I, I don't know if I'll have the same success the second time around. Hopefully I will. Just lightning strike twice. We're about to find out. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it strike twice. You know, because that, because that, that's the thing I wanted to ask you about your campaign, which is the last few things we'll ask you. I know you're, you're on an East Coast time zone, so the first thing would be your story, Rebirth Destroyer. For anyone who's gonna be obviously seeing you for the first time, give them the rundown of your story. 
I mean, it's pretty simple right now. The story is is shrouded in some mystery, so I don't go too deep into what the actual story is because I need you to pick up the first issue and actually read it, and then we'll dive more into it. But the basic concept is it's it's about a man who's trapped in a supernatural suit of armor inhabited by the ancient spirit of death who's trying to to possess his soul, and they are forced to work together. They're they're very much enemies. They're not friends. That's that's the dynamic of this book. It's two guys or two characters absolutely hate each other. They're forced to work together to achieve their end goal. Uh, the story is very much wrapped in the dark anti-hero uh, aspect of characters that were established like in the 90s, like Spawn, The Darkness. Uh, if you like those characters, you're going to love this mm-hmm. book. But if you buy this book expecting it to be a Spawn or a Darkness, you're going to be you know sorely, sorely saddened because it's absolutely a unique story in itself. Um, it's not the, the stereotypical heaven versus hell you know, a light first dark story. There's a lot, a lot goes into it. Big into story building, big into creating my own universe. Uh, it's basically a brain dump of everything I loved from the nineties growing up. Cause that's when, you know, I spent my teenage years was in the nineties. And I think that was a, a giant decade for, um, for ingenuity and in all, all aspects of movies, comics, music, all that kind of stuff. And I brought everything I can into this. And it's also got some badass fucking art, man. <laughs> it's got some badass art. If you love and miss awesome art and comic books, you're going to love this book. So just give it a chance. Check it out. I mean, we are sitting at 67,000, a little over 67,000. That's over 1,100 backers. We're going to be open for a couple more months before this thing closes. And I'm going to be getting this book out hopefully in Christmas and then aiming to get the second book out sometime early next year. But yeah. So the other thing I wanted to ask is, you know, your book is going to be closing down in a couple of months with your campaign. Do you have mm-hmm. any idea of how, because you have to go through this now, which is like printing the book yeah. and all these other things too. So how have you been preparing for that actually? Um, Again, a lot of stuff, you know, talk to people who have done it before, you right. know, get as much of an idea of what to expect and how to best go about things by people that have actually done it and can give you the advice. So I've done that. I've been doing that from the beginning. Uh, right now, I'm in the process of talking to printers, getting good quotes, figuring out where I want to go to print the book while things are still getting to the wrap-up stage so that once it's done, I have an idea. I know exactly where I'm going, how much it's going to cost, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, just get a good plan in place for fulfillment. You know, that, right. That's a big part. Fulfilling fulfilling comics in the indie scene is a, is a huge thing I don't think people will think of. This will be the first time I'm doing it, so I can't really speak of any kind of experience from it. We'll see. You know, I can talk more about it after I've done it. But it's everything I've heard. It's a lot of work. You know, I, I've yeah. got a lot of people that are going to come help me, which is great. There's some people live, you know, within states, you know, within hours of me that want to come up and help fulfill the book. That's great. But I'm going to be putting everything together. So my book is going to go from my hands to your hands. No middleman. That's it. I'm going to take your book. I'm going to package up and I'm going to mail it straight to you. I think that's the kind of that's the cool thing of the indie comic scene is a we're direct to the consumer, you know, from my hands to yours kind of thing. Right. So I'm going to be the only one that touches your book until you touch it. You know, I'm going to pack up everything you do. So I think that's, that's pretty cool, but we're talking thousands of books. I've got (laughs) thousands of books. I'm going to be sending out, you know, I got to take a day off of work to get some of that. There's going to be some time. (laughs) Give me some time, which is why I said like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that people are going to come out and, and help me. The, the more the merrier when it comes to so, backing stuff up. So when the first campaign's over and the books are all sent out, will you have a website where people people could just buy the book directly from you if they missed the campaign as well? <clears throat> so I am going to have a website. I'm working on a store right now that I'll probably launch after 
mm-hmm. campaign closes down and i'll get that out there so mm-hmm. it'll be a place where people can go and you know buy a ton of different stuff prints mm-hmm. original art whatever um as far as the the books go so the the idea is you overprint the number you have so you have extra mm-hmm. books and yeah. since these books are going to come become collectors items as soon as the campaign's done because i'm not going to reprint those covers again it's like a first printing right mm-hmm. so when i do the second campaign i will have a catch-up tier where you can get the issue one with a brand new cover on that that campaign so if you want to go that way you can but if you want to go to the website you can find the original covers as long as they're there until they sell out but it's going to be a marked up price because they become instant collector's items mm-hmm. and i don't want to sell them for the same price i'm selling anybody that bought them on the campaign in the first place because that's you know kind of disrespectful like you know the people that spent the money in the first first place to get that book that's what you get um if you're going to get that after the campaign's done and after it's it's not available anymore you're going to pay a little bit more because it's collector's items but there will be a place for people to get them yes if you want those original covers yes and also, uh, given how this crowdfunding space is gone, you know, how do you keep people in- interested? Because there are people that have backed the book for a while. How do you yeah. go about doing that? That I mean, it's kind of a mystery to me, honestly. I'm, I'm glad that people <laughs> are still interested. You know, I mean, I would be lying if I said I haven't had people re- have refunded the campaign. I think altogether, since the campaign started, I've had like 100 people that have refunded. I think altogether, it's been like close to 1,300 backers if everybody had had kept their books but it's gonna it's gonna happen i mean i made it known that the book was going to take probably about a year to to make so you basically just hold on you you hold on and hope that nobody gets frustrated with it and and refunds your money if they do they do it's no big deal it happens uh the, the biggest thing i can do to keep excitement is i stream you can find me every week on my channel. I'll talk about the book and any kind of updates. I'll show off some new artwork, do some new teases here or there. I do updates on the campaign so people know what's going on, keep people in the loop so you know that the book is coming. Things are going good. Um, it's The problem is like when people just kind of, they go silent. They go silent and they go, you know, not necessarily that they're trying to run away with the money, but if you back a book and you haven't heard from the creator at all in months, you know, you have no idea what's going on with it. Some people might just be like, well, I'm going to back, I'm going to refund the book, you know, because I, I right. can't trust this person anymore. So again, another, another reason why it's good to have a channel is because you can come see me anytime during the week. You can ask me directly. You can hit me up in my DMs. It doesn't matter. You can ask me directly. Hey, how's the book going? I get a lot of people all the time. I'm like, Hey man, what's going on? How's the book coming? You know, and I'll talk to them directly, you know, in DMs, you know, so okay. that's the best way I can to keep things excited exciting exciting and then hopefully towards the end like we are now we're in, we're in a phase where we're getting really close to the end and now is the time to really kind of start generating some excitement again like hey the book is coming here's some new art here's here's this or here's that here's a new promotion we're doing to get some you know life back into the campaign you know back it now it's going to close uh kind of thing so it's it's been an interesting experience so I'll, I'll say that i don't i don't know if i've got a an exact answer or an exact science on how to keep the campaign completely exciting because there's no way there's going to be a dead period where you're going to hit you know a spot and you're just going to kind of trudge along for a while you know there's also the one of the few last things i want to ask you which is you know how do you keep yourself interested in doing this for so long you've been doing it for a very long time actually you've had also other endeavors too it's weird you also like eric eric also did music then he also does comics i guess you're just the mexican version of eric <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of uh there's a lot of 
a lot of artists out there that mm-hmm. go from music to comics. It's, it's interesting. Like I said, it's very similar in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's a creative brain. I don't know. Um, I just keep excited about it because it's something I'm passionate about. If you're passionate about something, that excitement's not going to go away. You're not going to let some you know roadblocks deter you from anything. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the problem I see with some people. Like I said, hobbyists and people that want to do it you know, for a living. The hobbyists are going to be discouraged probably more easily than the person that's not going to take no for an answer. And I've just always been that way my, my whole life. You know, like I'm, I'm going to do this no matter what, you know, and until, until I die, you know, or until something else happens, I would have done music until I couldn't have done music anymore. If it wasn't for certain circumstances in my wife and my life, or, you know, ha- having a family, you know, things change sometimes where you have to adjust your priorities in life. Uh, in comics are one of those things that fit perfectly within, you know, a lifestyle within a family lifestyle that, that you can really you can pursue and still have all these you know you can have a healthy family life and all that kind of stuff so i love comics i love comics since i was eight years old i've loved to draw since i was you know 12 13 mm-hmm. and it's something that i i want to do and i'm doing it so and that's the thing like when you actually get get it done when i get that book out there you know right now i can be like yeah i call myself a professional creator because i am I've taken money. I'm producing something from professional, you know, so I'm going to put out a professional product. But when the book actually hits people's hands, then I can be like, I've actually published a comic book. And if you can't get excited about that and keep that drive going, so you want to do another one and another one, then, you know, that's on you. That's, that's a passion thing. You, you know, it's absolutely got to be a passion thing. It was the same thing in music. We put out our first album. It was awesome. And I wanted to put out a second one. You put out a second one, it was even cooler. And you want it's to like put a out drive, one, you know? You keep, yeah, let's just keep, keep going. Keep yeah. going. Uh, a person that was from you has a few comments here, which are there are def there is definitely many campaigns that haven't hit their ceiling. With that said, many of these creators aren't doing enough of the work to succeed. Plus, as you just stated, some of them are just boring. So what I meant by that is not like the campaign itself. The personality is mm, just yeah. kind of bland. Now, and this thing, I'm not. Who perfect. said that? Oh, uh, LT Hobbit, actually. Okay, yeah. Hey, so, I, uh, I, I'm, I also struggle with this time and time too. Is how do you develop a personality like the bigger guys, like you mentioned, and, and, it, and it be unique to yourself, but also appeals to people. That's really hard. I still well, struggle with that myself, honestly. One, I think you just kind of have naturally have to have that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, Someone just naturally have it. Someone just don't. That's just yeah. I mean, sucks. that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well because. You don't want to be uh you don't want to be a character. Yeah. You know, I could come on here and, and I could be a character. I could be completely different than I am in real life because I'm trying to sell some kind of false entertainment. Um that might work. I don't know. But like to, to be gen- genuine and just be who you are. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you're gonna get. You know, if you come onto my show and people watch me in, in my show. It's not like I'm the most charismatic person. I'm just, I'm just me and I have fun, you know, and I mess up reading chats, you know, I stumble yeah. over my words and, you know, say the wrong words sometimes, but it's just, that's who I am, you yeah. know, and I don't shy away from that. I have, I have fun, you know, you, you, you lean into it, you know, when I was a front man, you know, I was a little bit more of a created character and that's, what's different between me being on stage and me being, um, doing the shows when I was on stage, I was kind of portraying myself a little bit different because that's kind of how I felt. Granted, I was drinking a lot back then and, and you know, doing doing drugs and whatever. So like I had a different mindset when I would take the stage, but I, I became a different person 
when I got on stage and the music started. There was I was a lot more cocky. I was a lot more bravado. You know, it was just, I mean, people can go check out Mine Enemies Fall. You'll see a lot of live performances of me and you'll see how I acted on stage. Not quite the same person you see here. Here is just, this is who I am. I'm laid back. I like to have fun. We like to joke around. I don't take myself very seriously. I can make fun of myself. You know, I invite people to make fun of me. You know, it's fun when I mess up or I say something stupid and the chat gets on me about it. It's fun. You lean into it. That's how you create your personality. You just be you. If if you were just a very boring person in general, very dry, you know, you just got to figure out a way to come across people. But just be you. Get on, get on, um, get on a show, create your own show, maybe find a partner, a co-host that has the opposite personality of you. So if you're kind of like laid back, kind of dry, kind of quiet, go get a co-host that's the very opposite of you, very energetic, very whatever, and then see how you guys mesh. Sean, my co-host, and I, we mesh great. You know, the chemistry is great between the two of us. I mean, we we play off each other very well. And the same thing when you know when we brought Kayla into the show um it's just it's all about you brought brought a girl on in in this guy thing i thought just dudes the whole time yeah i just need just dudes girls well crap our style you know (laughs) we make we make a joke too like sean and i like so we have two i i have two shows one is my show on tuesdays appreciating comic book art live and i have sean and kayla's co-hosts and then we have sean and i have our show which is called art and and stuff it's art and stuff but it's art and stuff because he's got a jersey accent Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just the two of us. And we make we make a bit about it. So like every, everything can be a fun bit. So we're like the Wednesday show is wieners only. It's a boys club. Right. Yeah. And then Tuesday show is, is you know, Taco Tuesdays because we bring chicks, you know, a chick on, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You can just it's fun. You just whatever you can do. Keep it lively. Keep it fun. Be genuine, genuine about it. We don't carry ourselves very professional as far as worrying about offending anybody. It's just this is who we are. We are selling ourselves you know, as people and you guys will come in, into the chat. You will see who we are and that's who we are. You'll get to know us. We'll all become friends. There's a lot of people in the chat that I consider friends. I've never seen in my life. I don't even know what they look like. I just know they're YouTube avatars, you know, <laughs> but they've been, been with us for years. And it's just like, yeah, you're a friend. I consider you a friend of mine. Also LT, uh, thank you for the, another, uh, doll donation. Thank you, man. Joe was down to earth and one of the best looking beards in comics. Oh, Lord. Hell yeah. Now we're talking. <laughs> now we're talking. Thank uh, you, brother. Appreciate light- you. Lightning is going to strike every time. As long as Joe delivers, which I'm hundred percent certain he will dead periods are unavoidable. Adaptability is key. True. Yeah. I agree. Personalities are key in the indie scene. I've backed over 50 campaigns and spent some decent money. 99% of peeps are back i like the personality or persona one percent i gave the chance and never again yeah uh, i mean that's 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 what you have to do i mean and that's why i was just saying like you got to get somebody to take a chance on you for the first time so do what you can to do that put out a good book right. sell yourself get that get that person to take that chance and then hopefully your your book your story everything will bring them back the second time and that's what we'll see we'll see if I have the same success the second time around, if I bring back the same kind of backers or if people are just like, man, this book sucks, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you never know until you get it into the hands of, of people. I'm confident in the story I've developed and in, in the art and the, the, the quality of the book that I'm going to be giving people. I'm extremely confident that it's going to be very satisfying, mm-hmm. but you never know until somebody reads it. So we'll find out. Yeah. That's the thing is I know you talked about other shows where, uh, you're kind of nervous how people are going to react to the book for waiting this long and how their, re- their actual reception is going to be. Yeah, I was actually, so I had that show last 
Thursday, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, like I was a little nervous because there's so much issues sometimes with late books and not, not that mine's really late. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's later than what I wanted because I want to try to get it to the printer in July and here we are in mm-hmm. October. Um, so it's a little bit later, but it's not like massively later. And I was just, you know, like a little worried because, you know, who knows, you know, there's all this hype. The The book was extremely hyped. It's one of the most hyped books um, that wasn't a giant name, you know, over the last couple of years. And that's, that's just absolute fact. And so there's a lot of pressure that comes along with that, you know, a hyped book like that. People are excited, you know, you want to make sure you deliver. And when you start running a little bit late, I wanted to go on and I wanted to stream. I wanted to, to test the waters. I want to see what people were, were feeling. And the, the positive feedback I got from that was great. You know, so that allows, that lets me know that I'm still, me and the backers are still fine. You know, we're still on the same page and I'm still working hard to make this book the best it can be and get it out to people. And then hopefully when, when the reviews come in, it's going to be all, you know, I'm sure it won't be all positive. There's going to be criticism yeah. for sure. But I'm be that one guy who's always hated you. He's going to come out and be like, <laughs> I'm, I'm your number one nemesis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, there's probably going to be people who are like, you know, I, man, I waited, you know, a year and so many months for this book and this is mm-hmm. all I got kind of thing. But for the most part, like if I get 80% of those people come back, I'll be extremely excited about that. You know? Yeah. And then you're going to have those people that will say, hey, number two is not doing as well as number one. And it's like, you always fall back on, hey, number two is going to do as well as number one. So that's that's right. The sequel. The se- there's always a dip in the sequel. And you come back for the third one and you know, <laughs> it's off the races. So, no, but I'm extremely confident in what I've put together with the book, the team that I put together, you know, the quality of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that I respect who have given me good feedback on what I'm doing. Like Kayla's, Kayla's great. She's almost like having a second editor. You know, Mark Poulton's mm-hmm. my editor. But Kayla is great because she is an editor and she is a writer. So a lot of the times I can send stuff to her mm-hmm. and she's like, I, I have a supplemental book that I actually hired her to do a story in. And I also wrote a story that I'm not drawing. So it was the first time I was just writing for somebody Give else a woman to draw. a job. That's right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Equal opportunities around here. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like to be able to, to filter my story through Kayla, who's basically my editor on that story, I'd send her what I was doing. And it was an actual like back and forth. Like, you know, she can give me great feedback on where I'm going, but also give me pointers like, hey, you know, as an editor, you know, we should change this or, you know, phrase this differently or, you know, blah, blah, blah. This could, this is really good. It could be even better if you did it like this kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? So I know I'm in a, in a, heading in the right direction with, with all the positive feedback I'm just getting on the back and the and behind the scenes. So now it's just like, do we deliver? Do people read it and do they actually like it? I'm always kind of like I'm a very positive person, but there's when it comes to the stuff I produce, I'm always kind of more negative. It's just well, that's how I am until I first, yeah. until somebody actually gives me that feedback says, "Hey, it was good." When I was doing music, every time we put music out, even though I knew we had fans that couldn't wait for a new song, I was always worried. Like the first time someone would listen to it, I'm like, "Oh, they're gonna like it. They're gonna hate it. You know what's gonna happen?" So that's just that's how I am. But you know, yeah, that, that was now keep me striving too. to do the best. Yeah, that was my thing about um, doing like podcasts and videos, man, the negative feedback. Because like you, as humans, we just read it, you know, you know, it's trash. I, there was this one guy who would always tell me some bullshit. I know it's bullshit, but I would read it anyway, because I, I just that's the natural person that people are, you know, they'll right. start reading this stuff. And that's just, oh, good Lord. And I do hope, you know, all your success you've had so far, man, it's been awesome. Have, I know you had that huge setback with um, uh, your dad had that emergency. Hopefully he's OK now. You he's know? good yeah he's he's back home doing well um he's very close to dying 
Uh, but you know, by the grace of God, you know, praise the Lord. Um, he's back home. So shout out to everybody that gave prayers and well wishes and, and hit me up in my DMS and you know, all that. So, but yeah, we're good. We're good. And we're back on track now. So I'm officially yeah. back on just about a month where I wasn't doing too much at all um on the book and now i'm oh. back and trying to wrap stuff up so and the last two things i'll ask which is uh the, the first thing you posted a tweet today that they had a lot of pretty good traction to it which is uh palestinians they're going to be chanting oh. the death of america because apparent because i didn't even probably, I, yeah yeah it's it's always kind of funny like i'll get an itch every once in a while to <laughs> yeah once in a while throw throw on one yeah just throw something <laughs> at the bee's nest and see what happens uh you know it's funny because for the for a while i wasn't putting out a lot of um my personal opinions out there. Cause I'm like, I'm trying to sell a book. I don't want to drive yeah. people off, you know, cause mm-hmm. I didn't think it was really good marketing. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just kind of to a point where I'm, I'm just getting more of my personal opinions out. And if I have something out there, you know, I'll put it out there. And it was just a thought I had in my head, you know, of everything that was going on. So I, I put a tweet out there and, uh, or whatever it's called now. A, I'm a saying, post I, or I, I agree because this thing is Ron DeSantis brought this up too. It's like, why are you here if you genuinely don't like America and you don't yeah, that like is our the values? Age old question. Well, it's because yeah. there's a lot of people here that don't like America and want to change America. That's the problem. That's yeah, the problem they, we yeah. face current day. Is there even even within our own government, our own leadership, there are people that don't like the what America stands for, what the thought is. They want to change America to their America. So there's an active um or there's a goal to kind of strip down who we are as Americans, what we stand for, to demonize it. It's mm-hmm. same thing with comic skate, right? You you, right. you demonize something first. You 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 call something something that is not to mm-hmm. demonize it in front of everybody, and you try to tear it down right. and destroy it. And that's exactly what people are trying to do in America. The biggest issue I had with everything that's going on with Israel and mm-hmm. Palestine is we have an open border right now where thousands if not millions of people are coming in through our open border and if you see pictures of them a lot of them are all um fighting age males no families attached no 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 women and kids like families like they're trying to tell you like families are coming through no no you have thousands of fighting age males coming into this country and a lot of them get in illegally what are they here for you know you have hamas is basically let's use this example you have a house Okay. Yes. I know people have houses. I know people have apartments. Leave your door open. That's what. No, actually, yeah. just when you go to work and your and your wife doing whatever, tell her this too when she goes to the store. Leave your door open. There's a reason why you don't. Right. Because that could lead to very very bad things. So why do we not have that same level of urgency for our own fucking place we live? Yeah, the country is our house. You should protect it. Yeah. You don't want to just let anybody in there. You know. not even Mexicans, am I right? You know, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so it's just to me, it seems common sense, you know. And you see all these reports about possible mm-hmm. Hamas attacks. And the thing that I just the reason why I put the, the post out I put today was because you see all these uh pro Palestine it's crazy. I, I can't in America. I can't, I can't you know? like fathom it. The the people will literally run down your fucking post with like i love women i love women and women are just yeah. god's gift to the earth and all this bullshit so these group of women people were raped mutilated and killed and these guys are praising that, that group or one person that did and it's like i just so that's okay to you like i just like my, my brain yeah, see, that's, like, the, that's the thing that, that that just blows my mind is that that yeah. seems to be fine with certain people and a lot of people were like well the innocent palestinians i'm like look i'm not talking about the, the don't think the, Israel's like 
perfect. Right. You know? No one's saying that. Look, it's one, it's it's a war between you know two factions that have been going on for years. Yeah. Um, there's been innocent lives that have been lost on both sides. That all sucks. The problem I have is that the leadership in Palestine, Hamas, is a terrorist group. They're the ones chanting death to America. Mm -hmm. We're the great Satan, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And we have people in America that's openly supporting that. It doesn't make any sense. You're openly supporting people that hate you. you know. And then in, in, in that aspect, we're letting in all these illegal immigrants into our country. We're getting reports that there could be a terrorist attack. And my, my thought process was if we have a terror, terror attack, terrorist attack in this country and we have innocent Americans killed with, for whatever reason and Hamas takes credit, then you have all these people out there that are openly supporting Hamas. Mm-hmm. How are they going to react to that? Are they going to celebrate the fact that American they lives will. are dead? Or they're going to try to backtrack. They you, they that's will my that's my gonna, worry is that they no, but that's what happened. Well, hopefully not the actual terrorist attack. That would fucking suck. But we know people. If that scenario did happen, will do that. They're going to be like, well, they actually deserve. They had it coming. They honestly always hated Palestinians. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, it, you know we, we are here. We live in a messed up time. We live in yeah. a messed up time. In America, you know, is we live in the greatest country in the world. I don't care what anyone says. We do. Mm-hmm. Our freedoms are absolutely greater than any country in the world. No matter what people think about our system um but we we left the back door open man like you said we left the back door open now we don't know who's who's in our house you know and that's never that is never a good thing it's never a good thing so god willing that something major doesn't happen in this country but if it does you know you got a whole lot of people that are they're they're stupid and brainwashed. I don't know a damn thing about actual history. literal NPCs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, there was that uh, video of those high school kids. I think mm-hmm. out West or something going down and uh, marching down their, their hallways, chanting, you know, from what, the rivers to the sea or something and standing with Palestine. Like those kids don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. They have no clue what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, they've just been fed some BS because, the the leftist organizations have taken over our educational system, you know, colleges and schools, high schools. Uh, it's one of the reasons, like, if you can homeschool your kids, do it. Pull them out of that system. You know, yeah. Don't let them go in there and get brainwashed and turn out like some of those kids have no idea what they're talking about. You it's know, like they're like, just raising activists. That's what they're doing. That's honestly. that's all. That, you know, just mindless activists. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll they'll feed them a bunch of, of BS and send them on their way. You know, you. It's bad when in our country we have leaders of our country uh, openly, you know, rooting for the enemy of one of our allies, regardless of whatever you want to think of Israel. I don't, I don't want to go to war. I don't want yeah. any American lives to go over there and fight their war. Yeah. They can handle their own shit, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to sit here and openly like call for, you know, uh, support to our allies enemies it doesn't make any sense there's reasons why countries have allies you back your allies they back you up you know you don't just in within our uh, within our government you have people backing up the enemy of our allies it doesn't make any sense it, it's a it's a it's a clown world right now man mm-hmm. our leadership it's a clown, clown our leadership world is our terrible leadership. i was told uh, you know when trump was running just saying people we had really great foreign policy just saying just saying that actually trump happened. was great i don't care what anyone says Foreign policy was 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 great. Probably we the best we had, honestly. No new wars. Yeah. No new wars. Think about that. As soon as he gets out of office, you know, yeah. or as soon as he was removed from office, um, 
Russia invades Ukraine. Now we got Palestine invading Israel. Next is Taiwan. I mean, it's because we have very weak leadership. When you have strong leadership, nobody mm-hmm. met. When you have strong leadership, you have peace. When you have right. weak leadership, you have war. And that's all you have to do. When we had Trump in office, no matter what anybody thinks, the economy was good. We had no new wars. We were getting energy independent. Mm-hmm. They they force him out and doing whatever you want to call. We get weak leadership in. We have wars. The economy mm-hmm. sucks. We are energy dependent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the complete opposite. You know, it's crazy. And the last thing I'll ask you, man, is anything special shout outs you want to give to anyone in particular and anything else you want to say before we head out? Uh, just shout out to uh, everybody that's watching, the, anybody that supported me. Uh, LT Hobbit, I see you, brother. Thanks for being here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anybody else, uh, shout out to Kayla, who is a co-host. I appreciate Comic Book Art on Tuesdays, which tomorrow night at 10 o'clock. Right. Uh, tune in on my channel and Joe M. Sontag. And then on Wednesday, tune in to Otten Stuff with me and Sean at 8.30, I believe. Shout out to Sean. Go back his book, Type 1. Don't be a bum. Back Type 1. Awesome book uh, and for a good cause with... Uh, raising money for uh, children with diabetes as well. And uh, that's, that's it. You know, shout out to all the independent creators out there. Get in there, get in here, do your stuff, bring quality book. Let's go. Let's grow this thing. Yes. And uh, you had, you were on Peter Samedi's show actually. Yeah. yeah not too long ago. I got to give me a touch. That guy. I would love to have the guy on the show. Can you throw in a good oh, word? Yeah. That, oh, have you tried messaging him? I, so on Twitter, his DMs are off, actually. I'm gotcha. going to probably tell him to do it through email, actually. So if you follow him, just be like, hey, good-looking, hot, sexy black guy, you know, top <laughs> G in these parts, wants to have a word with you, you know? I, yeah, how... <laughs> I, I got you, man. I Except got you, maybe man. put out all the other parts. Kayla said she will be on in November. She said she's really busy right now. She so. is pretty busy right now, yeah. Yeah. And th- she has a interesting accent. People hear her talk. Yes, Boston. Boston, yeah. <laughs> oh Lord, uh, Sean, you know, she's very much like Sean. They, 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 they're really heavy on the eye. Yeah. The eyes, <laughs> you know? uh, and hearing Sean when he was talking about how much he loved X Men, it's like, hey man, I feel so bad for you. X Men is true. It, oh, that's it, he doesn't. Yeah. I, X Men is dead to him right now. It's like you. That's why he, he remembers I, the good old days. I still buy modern stuff, and I was like, X Men is no. That stuff is garbage. Yeah, Actual garbage. trash. Don't garbage. pick that shit up. <laughs> garbage. Straight up, just say. get any package you can. Buy House of M. Buy Mutant Genesis. Yeah. Buy nothing new. Tell this because I you know that tell people. Tell them the stuff you put up before this dog shit is actually good, and that's the stuff we're gonna support. Yes, sir. Yeah, do it. Uh, do it with your wallet. Yeah, P- people say, "Oh, they're buying back issues more." Holy crap! If that is already not fucking writing on the wall, I I don't know what is. Should be pretty evident. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for Joe for being on. Uh, well, his re first appearance again. Actually, yeah. you know, yeah. Good lord, can't wait to you have a second appearance when you get your book. Well, actually, out there, it's gonna be really crazy to see it in your hands. After all oh, the time, be awesome. By the way, everybody, go back Reaper Destroyer today. Yeah, uh, and get then give all the money can. to me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> give me all you. When you cash the check for sixty-eight, that's gonna be crazy. Cashing a check for sixty-eight thousand dollars—that's crazy. Damn, and then knowing crazy. half of it's going to people that were on the phone. <laughs> like, oh, it's yeah, all it's, out of it's, my hands. It's got to be dispersed. You know, this is not all not all sixty-seven thousand dollars worth of profit, which would be cool. But, you know. Yeah. You know, it's crazy is everyone be like, he's going to get all that money. No, but there's artists and there's letterers and there's editors. Oh, I mean, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of the money that's gone already because I've been 
paying people and mm-hmm. buying things. So yeah, you know, it's not it's not like the the number looks good because it just it sits there on the campaign. So you look at it, and you're like, oh, this has raised this much money. But you know, you got to put that back into the book. You know, you have right. talent. You gotta you gotta order the physical copies and all the you si- over you know, stretch print, goals. You, you got over print. Yeah. You got to invest in like. I invested into the supplemental book, which wasn't even a part of the original campaign because the campaign did so well. So yeah. I had enough money to go out and hire a couple artists and, and do a, mm-hmm. a, another book on the campaign. So that was nice. But yeah, like it's like you guys you know, back the Joe M. Sontag variant on Sean's thing. Yeah. And on type one, go back the <laughs> Joe Sontag cover. I can't believe it. That's going to be an actual cover. That's crazy. Awesome. See, that's the kind of fun stuff that these campaigns do. Oh my God. I promise you. Last thing. <laughs> so um with campaigns themselves do you think they're getting kind of stale and boring i mean it just depends um mm-hmm. depends on who the creator is and again what what's the quality of the book you know campaigns to me can be overdone yeah, honestly you don't need much with campaigns you don't want to overdo you just a campaign need to just basically sell your books Keep like, it simple because yeah. how many of them are going to be like shirts and stickers and all that? i get you want to sell accessories and stuff but the, but the yeah point i think of some of that stuff gets the book yeah, I think some of that stuff gets too much. But again, if you have the backing, then it's fine. You yeah. know, if you got the following, make your money, put the stuff out because people will back it. If you don't have the following, just focus on the book. Is what I say. All right, everyone. We'll see you guys later. Hope you guys had a great week.